Hello, everyone. Welcome to Random Encounter 233 or 233. My name is John O'Logan, and boy, do we have an episode for you. So every year we do our uh, RPG fan does our game of the year feature, and it's divided into two parts. It's the Editor's Choice Awards, and it's like the overall awards. And uh, the feature's a lot of work. Uh, whole site, everyone on the site uh, in pretty much every department uh, contributes and they put in their own opinions and things like that and they sign up for individual games. And uh, yeah, the feature just went live and we are going to feature it here on Random Encounter. We're going to talk about this list and we're going to talk about the best games of 2021. Um, and joining me, because I, if it was if I was just me talking about the best games of 2021, I would just be talking about The Forgotten City. Um, for the entire episode. And I think that some people would enjoy that, but we're not going to do that. Uh, so let's meet our panel, who uh, filled with people who have played some of these games. So first up is Alana Higgs. Hello, it's been a while. It has been a while. Welcome back. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, also joining us is Brian McKenzie. Hey, it's good to be on again. It's good to have you back on again. And last but certainly not least is Wes Iliff. Super excited to be here. This is a good topic to, to dig into. Yeah, game of the year. This is... Uh, this is a hot topic. This is, uh, especially for 2021, because it's interesting. I've seen some varying opinions about 2021 uh, on Twitter, but that's Twitter. So, of course, there's going to be varying opinions. In my opinion, it was a great year for video games. It was probably the best thing about 2021 were some of the games that came out in the last 12 months. If anyone agrees. <laughs> <laughs> there was this hot second of, oh, man, <laughs> did I lose an American connection? I thought that, too. Oh. Did I just did I just step in something? Jesus! No. <laughs> the three you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> Saying anything was good about 2021. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hurtful, but it's okay. Yeah, but what do you think? Do you think that 2021 was a pretty good year in games? Anyone? I think so overall. Although I will say, I, I might be a, a bit of a negative Nancy on uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about because I did think it was a good year for games. I was not that big on the major RPG releases of 2021. Uh, I spent a lot of my RPG playing on my backlog, but I thought a lot of good games came out in 2021, but a lot of them in, in other genres. Ah, that makes sense. You'd enjoy the, uh, the episode of uh, Retro Encounter that's coming out would be uh, good for you. It's it's focusing on uh, not RPGs this week. Oh yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, what do you think, Alana? Do you think this was a pretty good year? Yeah, I think there was a pretty even spread it didn't feel like until about december we seem to have like this constant stream of like small releases or you know like dlc or things like that um again personally like a lot of the big releases didn't like tick my like tick any boxes for me like i'm not a big bravely fan i'm not i'm iffy on eat some ease games um and there's a couple of other things that came out that just didn't grab my interest um so I kind of dug around on some smaller things um, and some of some of the re-releases that came out this year. It's a really good year for re-releases as well. Like it was one of the bigger categories we had. Um, but yeah, I think in general, it was a very good year. Maybe not a ton of stuff that I was super interested in. And to go non-RPG for a second, we got a new Metroid game and it's incredible. So, you know, <laughs> everything's all good. I'm not going to disagree with that. Metroid Dread was everything i was hoping it was going to be oh yeah it took everything from it took everything from the remake of uh metroid 2 and just turned it up and it was a it was an excellent excellent experience i was i was surprised by how much i liked this year 
considering when I went into Game of the Year awards, I was like, did I play anything good? Was there anything this year? And then I started going through the nominations. I'm like, oh, that was this year? And this was this year? And <laughs> by the end of it, I was like, man, I got a lot of good stuff played in 2021, didn't I? That's a nice feeling. I tried I, I tried to put together my, uh, my own, like, what did I play in the last year? And I got to uh, 33 games. Um, <sighs> and some of them are great, and some of them were not so great. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty happy about that. Um, yeah. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to be taking a look down the game awards for best genre. And then we're going to be taking a look at the element awards for best, I guess, elements of games. And then we'll tie it all off with the game of the year. And then we might take a quick look at some of the editor's choice awards. The only person on this podcast who uh, wrote the editor's choice awards this year was Wes. So obviously we'll have to talk to Wes about it. Um, so let's start with the first category, which is the best action RPG. And somewhat unsurprisingly, the best action RPG of 2021 was Tales of Arise. So Tales of Arise came out a few months ago. It was a big reinvention of the Tales series. Um, we had a bit, we had a big episode of Random Encounter a few months ago where we focused on the, uh, everything, or so you want to get into the Tales series. Um, and, uh, I knew nothing about it and that was a, a big eye opener for me. And I really enjoyed it, uh, that conversation, because I, I realized, oh, I, I could really play some of these games. I And then I, I looked at Tales of Arise, and uh, yeah, I didn't end up playing it before the end of the year, but it is actually on my list, because it looks really, really cool. Have any of you played Tales of Arise? Oh, yeah. Yep. I have not, no, which is surprising, maybe, given that I'm a big Tales fan. I just yeah. have not made time for it. And... I'm interested to hear what everyone thinks because I know like it reviewed so well here. Like it's one of our highest reviewing games of the year. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of fan reception's been far more mixed about it. But obviously, given that it won the Reader's Choice Award as well, like it's clearly done something really right. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to play it and I've got it, but I'm excited to hear more about it really again. Yeah, you were a heavy contributor of the uh mm. for the uh, Tales feature. I mean, not quite as heavy if uh, contributor as Wes was obviously but oh stop <laughs> it was your idea yeah it was your idea and it was a heck of a it was a heck of a feature Wes I know that you've played it yes um <laughs> I'm I'm like the embodiment of the mixed reception that the the game got because I do think in many ways it is the best Tales game that's been put out in, in recent history certainly maybe ever like it feels the most modern the most like it's trying to step into that triple a space where tales has always been slightly more niche like a you know um kind of a, a tear down mm -hmm. but they got rid of multiplayer which was like my in, the, the core of my love for the tales series <laughs> um and it played thing it's a little bit more muted and and it made a few changes that like maybe the identity of the tale series wasn't quite as strong there but the game was so good that like i had to give it credit for what it had done even if there was part of me that was like oh that wasn't really what i was looking for but what they gave me was still really good so mm. how much does it matter that it follows in the footsteps of, of what came before yeah you, you mentioned in this little blurb here it's it's a reinvention of the Tales series, and I think that, why do you think that is? Do you think they just decided, you know what, we, we don't want to be second string anymore, we want to really take on the, the, we want to take on Final Fantasy and that kind of thing? I know that there was a lot of that. The The director has said, you know, they were inspired by Namco Bandai's own Dark Souls uh, series, and there's some definite notes of that where, like, they just wanted to make this a modern game. 
because up until now, all the games that have come out, as much as I've loved them, have felt very much of a DNA that traces back to the SNES era. And this one feels like it was like, okay, we finally have to go back to formula. We're getting diminishing returns building on the same core. Um, so they found a new one, and hey, what do you know? It worked. Brian, did you enjoy it? Yeah, of the of the Tales games I've played, which I, I believe is five of them, um, this is my favorite one. Uh, and I'm not actually very big on the Tales series, so I was surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, and I would I would agree with a lot of what Wes said. It feels like a much more modern take on the Tales formula. But that's one of the things I usually struggle with with these games is sometimes I'm playing them and they feel a little dated to me. There are things that are a little clunky, whereas Tales of Rise is very smooth. The presentation is great. It still has a couple of the things that I don't like about Tales games. Namely, I think every Tales game I've played, including this one, uh, I think overstay their welcome. Um, I think the story of Tales of Arise would be better if it was 10 hours shorter, <laughs> personally. Yeah, I'm you, with you. Um, yeah, you can name that criticism at nearly every Tales game, I think. <laughs> yep. You can name that criticism at just about every game, or every lengthy RPG. Yeah, so especially RPGs. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't want, like, Portal to be 10 hours shorter, because that'd be giving me time back. But <laughs> I, uh, yeah, there are... Like I just finished, uh, I just finished Dragon Quest Eleven, and there is a game that I feel could have benefited from a little bit more editing. But at the same time, if my biggest complaint about something is I really liked it, but it was a little too long, that's a pretty good game. So I was very happy with Tales of Arise um, by a significant margin. I would say it's my favorite Tales game. Yeah, I can't argue with that. That's a very good point. Um, I've heard great things about it. It's on my list of things to play, and considering that I, I worked through a fair bit of my backlog back last year, so maybe I'll actually get to it this year. Um, let's talk about the runner-up for Best Action RPG of 2021, and that is Monster Hunter Rise. Heck yeah. um, now, Mon Monster Hunter Rise is uh, it's following off from uh, World. The Monster Hunter series, as Solosi has taught me, has a very interesting development cycle where it's like on off with like the console team and then the mobile team and the console team, the mobile team monster hunter rise was the mobile team, which was, I guess, switch at this point, uh, which I would argue isn't it. I mean, it's a mobile console, but not really somewhat. I mean, that's what switch is. Um, but one thing I think everyone agrees that they, uh, they really did knock it out of the park with this game. Uh, people who played it really, really enjoyed it. And people are really looking forward to the DLC that's coming out later this year. Uh, is, are there any Monster Hunter fans here? I'm, I'm definitely in there. I'm, I'm in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this, I think the thing that really makes this one stand out is, and every, everyone says this about every Monster Hunter game that comes out, but the accessibility of it, like, it's like we get those baby steps every, every single release and every, you know, longtime fans get so excited because maybe this is the one my friends will like. Um, and that worked for me with this one. And a lot of that is like the traversal options, the, the quicker pace of it. It feels a little bit more like you can get in and do stuff um, rather than having mm -hmm. to jump a bunch of hoops in between each hunt. And um, some of the weapons feel a little bit faster and you can just do more interesting things out in the field. And if, you know, things are too far away, you hop on a dog, uh, one of the <laughs> cutest animal companions in recent history and your dog has drifting capabilities so it's just a blast to get from place to place by drifting <laughs> your dog around corners <laughs> amazing do not do that with your dog at home <laughs> yeah they did not enjoy my attempts <laughs> <laughs> oh the handling is terrible on this dog um yeah i, I had dom on uh, the show last week to talk about uh, uh the pc version of rise and uh, dom really really enjoyed it so 
I'm, I mean, I think it really deserves it deserves its consideration for best action RPG. And I I understand why Tales of Arise won, but Monster Hunter Rise, Rise, Arise, you need to rise in order to get this right. be considered this year for action RPG. <laughs> um, I totally get why it uh, why it got runner up. Um, again, this is not a series that I am in any way, shape, or form into. Although every time I talk to Solosi, he almost convinces me to do it. Almost. <laughs> yeah, I think like with World, I was tempted by World, but then I remember playing the demo and I had the same problem I had with every other Monster Hunter game I've tried in that it's too slow. Um, but mm. like Wes was saying, like I think even more than most of the other games, like this feels like the most accessible because of the speed of it, the pace of it, the fact that there isn't, like there's still grinding, but it doesn't feel like there's as much grinding as maybe other games. And I'm coming from it as one, having never played it and two, maybe I'm slightly uninformed, but like it, it feels like, it, it definitely feels like a manageable Monster Hunter Rise without losing a lot of its core identity of the series, which I think is really, really great for the Switch. And obviously in our PC as well. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really good job. And um, this is the game that Nintendo had to like improve their online for, isn't it, right? Monster Hunter Rise. They had their own dedicated servers and they've... Um, <laughs> well, they weren't going to do it for their own games, that's for damn sure. Exactly, yeah. Um, so they had to like upgrade it. And um, yeah, apparently the online on Rise is brilliant, so, which you can't say about many Nintendo releases. Um, but True. yeah, no, yeah, this is the most I've ever wanted to try a Monster Hunter game. And I promise you it's not just because of the palamutes at all um <laughs> not just because of the, the palamutes <laughs> the ever-present issue with monster hunter games is that it almost feels like you need a friend to act as your monster hunter sherpa to guide you up the mountain before yeah. you start having fun yeah and this probably has like the least amount of time to travel before you get up there Ooh, that's good yeah i feel like that's something they've been moving away from a bit because i remember i want to try rise i haven't yet but World was the first one I really got into. Yes. And that one, I remember I had to watch a few YouTube videos and then I was okay. But I remember the one I had tried before that, I forget which one it was, but it felt like I had to like read a novel's worth of online tutorials to get started playing the game. So I'm glad they're moving in a, in a more accessible direction. World was a start of a, a new trend that Rise definitely continues and improves upon. So very happy with the series right now. Yeah, and we'll see where it goes in two years from now, theoretically, when the next title will get released, um, presumably for next-gen consoles and not the Switch. Uh, but yeah, let's. Uh, there's also reader's choice for this category. There's reader's choice for every category. Um, and reader's choice for this was Tales of Arise. So uh, readers were in agreement with us. Uh, Runner-up was Yeast 9. Um, and Tales of Arise ran away with 60% of the votes. So it was not even close. Um, let's move on now to a genre which is uh, nearer and dearer to my heart, which is the best graphic adventure or visual novel. Um, and the winner this year was The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Now... This is a game that I... Oh, I wrote the blurb. I forgot that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> complete, I was like, who wrote this? Trying to get into a long-running series can be daunting. Well put. Who's wrote that? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles was my favorite adventure game of 2021. I loved it. Um, it was not only a perfect uh, encapsulation of the entire Ace Attorney series, it was a perfect jumping on point for people who have never played one before. Uh, it was a terrific story in of itself. It was an amazing value for your money because you are getting uh, two of the games for the price of one. It's the first time it was ever localized 
here in the West. Um, I first played the first one years ago with a fan translation. Uh, and I can say that though they did a very, very good job and it felt very authentic. This is obviously Capcom at their uh, localization best. Uh, it looks great. It has amazing characters. It has that amazing Ace Attorney thing where when you figure something out, you feel like a genius. And then when you can't figure out which piece of evidence to prove your point, you feel like a complete idiot uh, who blows through your chances very, very quickly. So you need to remember to make saves, uh, which is something I think they should fix in later titles. But yeah, if you've never played an Ace Attorney game, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, I would say is your uh, should be your first stop at this point. I think it's the new standard, um, especially if you love historical uh, fiction and uh, you know just taking place in a in a vaguely fantastical version of history. Um, and also, it has uh, it has the great detective Herlock Schlomes, uh, <laughs> as as we all know. Uh, and I would argue that Herlock is should be up for one of the best characters of uh, of twenty twenty one. Herlock is is amazing um her, oh okay yeah i'm not gonna spoil anything but yeah herlock is amazing um has anyone else played the great ace attorney chronicles not yet no i need to um i fell off ace attorney a few years ago so i've got many games to catch up with but this is probably gonna be my first pit stop i've only played the first three um but i think like the thing in particular that stands out to me is one like how well publicized and i think we'll get to this probably later like how well publicized that localization was they were doing like monthly localization blogs and it really just sold the world and the characters to me like way ahead of time because like mm -hmm. the thing is is like this is set in the distant past to like the phoenix Wright games and um Solosi has narrowed it down to the very beginning of the 20th century yeah that sounds about right and yeah you don't really need to go in with any knowledge but like you already had a really good idea of these characters and like even from just like watching a few videos on it and seeing people's interactions with it um online it's like i get i really get a feel for like the character and like knowing what the characters are like in ace attorney one two and three um or phoenix Wright at least anyway um it, mm. i can see the like through line with some of their personalities and things i'm just like oh i'm definitely gonna like this one i'm definitely gonna like that one um so yeah i'm i'm so happy it came out like capcom have been brilliant in general anyway for the last couple of years um so it was really cool to see them go back because we've not really had a new ace attorney game for a long time and this is technically not a brand new one but it is to us and um i'm really really thrilled to see how good it is um but one question um what's this about tap dancing and tap dancing music because Solosi keeps bringing this up <laughs> i am not i would never in a, i would never ruin that i would never ruin that spoiler Damn. i would never even hint about it um this is the kind of thing you need to see for yourself okay. but yes tap dancing brought Solosi to tears brilliant um and frankly speaking it it i, I when you told me that i was like yep that makes complete sense <laughs> um it's there are sequences in this game that are just jaw-droppingly choreographed and just spectacular payoffs, especially, which is the most annoying part. I said this in my review of the first game years ago, the fan translation. It turns out that part one is almost entirely set up. Like there are very, very few payoffs in the first game. Everything in it is a setup for the second game, which becomes tremendously frustrating when the second game is not available in English. Um, but thankfully, if you're playing it and you're playing with the Ace Attorney Chronicles, you don't have to worry about that because you can just go on to the second game and it's no problem. Um, Brian or Wes, have either of you had any experience with the Ace Attorney series or this game? The only experience I have with the Ace Attorney series is when I was into 
Marvel versus Capcom three, and they put Phoenix right in that. <laughs> and that was pretty cool. Um, but it's a series I've wanted to try for a while. It's so the I mean, exact maybe it's same. A... It plays the exact same. <laughs> but yeah, maybe this will be a good opportunity for me to try it. If you love an adventure game, I think it's a very solid adventure game to play. Any of them are really. Yeah, for me, it's it's one of my biggest blind spots. Uh, I've had very little experience with Ace Attorney, although I did start playing um, the original trilogy. Um, the version on 3DS I just had and didn't know when I got it, but I had it. Um, so I started that I last games year. Like that. Um, there's so many games that I ended up playing that it, you know, it's been slow going, but man, I, it, it's all because this came out and everyone was so happy about it that I kind of want to catch up and, and be there with them. I think it's well-deserving. It's the best adventure game of 2021. It was, it was an, ex- it was great. It was, it was simply, it was just a great experience to have. I'm so glad. And my God, it felt good to get the answers I want. I was searching for. I felt almost as happy as uh, the characters in the game when they got their answers. I was like, I got them too. And I've been waiting longer than you have. Um, Yeah, so that was the best uh, adventure game or visual novel of 2021. And the runner up is Doki Doki Literature Club Plus. Now, this is a, I hesitate to call it a remake. It is an expanded version of a game that came out a few years ago. Uh, It was on Steam and now it's on pretty much everything. And it was free. Uh, which was jaw-dropping, and I heard such good things about it and how uh, subversive it was, and I downloaded it, and I started playing it, and uh, I got to a point where I literally just noped out of the game Mm -hmm. so hard (laughs) because I I, I don't know what was going on in my life at that point, but I was like, you know what, I just kind of want to play a nice, easy visual novel that doesn't really ask too much of me, and boy, does this look like it serves that purpose. And uh, nope, 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 nope. Um, I've never been that freaked out by a game in my entire life. And I really want to play it again. And uh, plus might be a good opportunity to do that. Has anyone had any experience with Doki Doki Literature Club? No, I'm the same as you. I noped out probably at a similar point, I think. Um, But I was really impressed with what it does because I'm like visual novels I'm interested in when they are subversive and this just takes such a hard left turn that you don't expect and yeah it's really 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 interesting but yeah I haven't picked up plus yet um but I want to I want to try again I played a little bit of the original um but I didn't get too far in it but I think one of the neatest things about this game was this felt like when this felt like the catalyst to visual novels kind of exploding Um, not that they weren't at all big before, but I remember, I distinctly remember pre Doki Doki literature club. And then after Doki Doki literature club (laughs) felt like everybody was playing visual novels. So that was always kind of cool to me. I I played the original pretty close to release and just devoured it because it hit the sweet spot for me of, um, you know, traditional, you know, taking your traditional, uh, conceptions of what, you know, the story is going to be and then upending them and layering on more and more, um, existential elements that that uh really appealed to me i haven't played the enhanced version yet so i can't really speak to that but i will be eventually when there are fewer games on my plate which is still quite a few but yep i uh i can honestly say i've never noped of a game harder than i have doki doki literature club and that is in no way shape or form a reflection of the game in fact it's in the game's it's a point in the game's favor if you are looking for yeah. something like that. It encourages you to nope out if it's getting to be too much for you, mm-hmm. which is perfectly acceptable in my mind. Yeah. Uh I'm very glad that it exists and I'm very glad that they released a plus version that actually has a price tag attached to it because 
uh, it was such an achievement that I I think this I think the developer is deserving of all of the monies. Um, so I'm hoping that it sells very well. And uh, our reader's choice, best graphic adventure or visual novel, was uh, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, and the runner-up was Doki Doki Literature Club Plus. So we are in full agreement there. Uh, always nice when we're on the same page as the readers. <laughs> uh, let's move on now to the best indie game of 2021. Um, there were a lot of amazing indie games that got released over the last year. And, uh, the winner was something that has been anticipated now for, uh, years. We, the first time we saw, uh, uh, footage about, from this game, many people just lost their minds. Like the pixel art just looked so good. It looked very earthbound like, and it, it just looked like it was going to tick a lot of boxes. And uh, the winner of the best indie game for 2021 is Eastward. Uh, now, Eastward is a game that I bought uh, at Christmas. I have not played it. I have not gotten a chance to play it yet, but it is currently sitting in my Steam library. Uh, and it is something that I actually really, really, really want to play because it looks like it is, it's, it's exact, it hits right where I live. And uh, it's beautiful. So has anyone played Eastward? No. <laughs> sound of that silence is, is yep, the a lot sound of people of being very sad. Oh, yeah. It, again, another one right on the top of my list. And like the combination of Earthbound and Zelda, like it looks very, and it's gorgeous as well. Like I think it's set in this like one town. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really fascinated by it because I kind of followed it since it got announced. And I remember every time it, the Indie Direct would come up, it was one of those like, oh, will it be there? Will it be there? Will it be there? And it wasn't until like earlier this year and like surprise we're coming out in two months it was like oh well no it was like two weeks i think wasn't it i think it came up in a nintendo direct in like august and then we're like oh it's out in the middle of september um yeah i love shadow drops but nintendo direct shadow drops give me anxiety attacks (laughs) every game that comes up we're just like wait which one do i need to budget for when do i need to budget for it right now but like yeah eastwood just came out in the middle of a busy period um i really really want to play it um i know izzy loved it um so yeah they did they gave it uh, they gave it an 83 but they also said it was a uh they said there were a few awkward pacing issues i believe i've heard it's quite long for what it is i've heard it's like 30 to 40 hours so it's definitely mm. on the longer side for an indie rpg slash adventure game um but yeah, it looks really beautiful. It sounds really beautiful as well. So yeah, Alana, I know as uh, as another review manager, the you know the anxiety of watching a Nintendo Direct <laughs> and then being Dude. like, and Breath of the Wild two will be available now on the Nintendo oh, Store. God, and you're I, like, what? No. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I I mean, I don't think they dropped Breath of the Wild two specifically like that. But I don't, I either, don't but know but anymore. Like, yeah, you know, we got Act like- this year, so. <laughs> I, I can just imagine our tears if they shadow drop Silk Song. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, East, Eastward looks like a really, really cool game, especially if you like uh, classic RPGs, uh, pixel art, uh, good music, and uh, some puzzle solving, some Zelda-esque, pla- uh, some Zelda-esque uh, combat. So yeah, this is a game that is uh, very high on my to playlist. Actually, you know what? I might just play. I might just play this next. Um, I had I, I've been trying to get through a couple of games that I've been looking forward to, and I just I think I just got burnt out on Dragon Quest XI, and I needed something that was <laughs> not quite that anymore. This might be it. Anyway, uh, so the runner up for best indie game of 2021 was Imposter Factory. So this is the third part of a trilogy of games that uh 
many, many people are just in love with. Uh, it's the third part of To the Moon and uh, A Bird Story. Uh, so these are tales... Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about it because I don't really want to ruin it because part of the beauty of these games is the central conceit. Um, has anyone played Imposter Factory or for that matter, uh, To the Moon or Bird Story? No, this is another huge blind spot for me. Um, I know that Imposter Factory is quite a bit different to the other games in the series, though. Um, and I know that um, Zach and Solosi at least have both said that it feels like that Kangao has kind of like matured as a developer with each of the releases because um, there's Finding Paradise as well. Um, and Oh, yes, right. Um, um, so it sounds like he's got a really good understanding of it. And Kangal's a good friend of the site as well. Um, he's always in touch with us. Um, so we were pretty lucky to get this one. Um, but yeah, everything I've heard about it sounds superb. I know that people have raved about it and Kangal's Kangal touches on subjects that are a little close to my heart. So I'm always, I'm, I'm edging towards playing them all the time, but I'm a big cray baby, so um, there's a reason I haven't really picked any of them up yet. But I feel like, is Imposter Factory going to be the one? Is this going to be the last game? Um, but yeah, apparently there's like a character called Rosebot in it. And I feel like mm -hmm. apparently <laughs> it's a robot that produces bowls of rice or something. Like someone might need to correct me on this. But that if that doesn't sell me on it alone, then I guess, you know, what am I doing here? But yeah. I have a rice bot. I call it Instant Pot. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, Yeah. I've been very useless this podcast so far. <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me. Your your time is about to come. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I Again, the main reason I haven't played this game or any of the other games in this series is because I don't feel like crying right now. Some people find crying to be, and that emotional release to be very freeing, and they feel better after it. I feel like I've just gotten like beaten with a stick after I finish crying. So I've been... I, that That's not a feeling. I, seeing as I've already... <laughs> like I'm feeling like I'm being beaten by a stick constantly. I don't entirely want to put myself in that situation right now. <laughs> I'm one of those people, but it, it has to be at particular times. Sometimes I enjoy being beaten by a stick emotionally. So like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I do think that this game deserves it though. And uh, it sounds like it is a remarkable work uh, continuing from previous remarkable works. So I, I know the games are available on Steam for pretty darn cheap, especially if you're looking at a sale. So if you were looking for some uh, narrative experiences that look like traditional RPGs but don't have any real combat, they're you know they're they're stories, they're narrative games, and apparently they are exceptionally good. Um, our reader's choice for best indie game was also Eastward, but we did have a difference in opinion for runner up. Uh, we had Loop Hero, which Alana, I know that you played. I did. Yeah, this is cool. I'm really happy to see this here. Um, I know it might pop up again later on, so I might save some thoughts for then. But yeah, Loop Hero is just. I mean, I didn't play until the Switch release. It also came out on PC earlier in 2021, around March time. Um, but yeah, it's just a really cool blend of like roguelike, deck building, turn-based RPG, auto-brawler, city builder, uh, whatever else you can throw at it. But it all works together really well. Like, And it's challenging as well. Like, You essentially just watch one character walk around a loop and the more stuff you put down, the more it affects both your character, the enemies, and the terrain around it. So the more stuff you put down, like you get nearer to the goal, but also you're making things harder for yourself. So you just have to like resource management and it's very, very unique and very cool. And it felt like a very big thing towards the beginning of last year. Um, but the Switch port is also a really good port of a PC game as well. Um, 
little clunky on the controls but yeah it, it's super fun i really recommend it so i'm really glad to see that the readers enjoyed it i am too um let's move on now to the best mobile game of 2021 now mobile games they sometimes get a bad rap for a number of different things including some fairly fairly crappy mobile uh monetization practices let's put it that way um but the winner of the best mobile game of 2021 doesn't have any of that in fact it is available through apple arcade it is the entire thing it was released in two parts uh but now is available in one and that is fantasian now uh this game has some amazing uh, pedigree behind it but the main thing that really catches your eye is the graphic style which i think is genius it is all done with dioramas. And as someone who occasionally likes to watch dioramas be constructed on YouTube as a way to relax, <laughs> just looking at these things is like, oh God, this is gorgeous. But not just that, the dioramas give it, you know, they're in high definition, it's, it's modern, but it kind of is reminiscent of PlayStation 1 in a really, really weird way. Oh yeah, um, they look like pre-rendered backgrounds, don't they? But like for the for now, basically, for modern day times. Yeah, um, I have not played it yet. However, Amanda has. Uh, she is midway through the second game, or the second part of the game, and she is very much enjoying it. Has anyone on here played it? I don't own any Apple devices. Yeah, I think that's one that's going to have a second coming if if they have you know ports to, to other consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, we're going to see this one come back around on Game of the Year lists again, but accessibility for it right now is such a such a struggle yeah if they were to port this i'd play it in a heartbeat but uh i i don't know i've heard such good things about it it bums me out that i can't play it yeah i've heard i mean i've literally heard good things about it the music's great mm. uh i mean obviously yeah G- given the love i have for that team and like lost odyssey the last time they tried something yeah. kind of like this um this is a game i would have taken pto for i would have taken time off to play this Mm -hmm. if it were on something i could easily play it's so interesting i think one of the reasons apple arcade is a fascinating service i mean i i have i get apple arcade um and i've played quite a few games on it and i've i've really enjoyed them i played the last shanti game on it a few weeks ago uh it was terrific i know it's available on other things now but it was it was an exclusive briefly to apple arcade um apple's doing some interesting things and they're releasing some interesting games for it the problem is that these games are the games that are exclusive to the platform people don't buy apple products for the games they just don't i mean yeah graphics and you know everything is great but you don't i I don't think most people buy an iphone because apple arcade has an exclusive they buy an iphone because you know they they may be already invested in the apple ecosystem or they just simply need a new phone Mm. Uh, whether or not fantasian is available is beside the point um so i think that you are all right i think once this thing uh gets released on oh let's just say it switch uh (laughs) that it is going to take off um the question is when is that going to happen how long is apple's exclusivity period uh for fantasian and I mean, will that end even? Hopefully yeah. it does. Yeah, because most of Miss Walker's games have stayed where they are. Like Lost Odyssey's still on Xbox only. Um, the Lost Story's still a Wii exclusive. Um, so it's like, and, anything going to come over? Like, come on. And it, it makes me a little nervous too, because while Apple does support their games for a while, there does come a point where uh, you can't download them anymore because modern... Apple devices won't play them. And there are a lot of classic mm. iOS games that were very, very good RPGs and adventure games that you are, are gone. You cannot play them anymore. Mm. Um, and that's, I'm a little worried that might happen here. 
hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it gets released on Switch in 2022 and everyone is very happy. And hopefully it ends up on another uh, best game of the year list for next year. But eh, we'll see. Um, now here's a game, though. The runner-up is a game that I do know that someone on here has played, uh, much to their uh, chagrin, uh, <laughs> somewhat. Uh, Near Reincarnation. I have no idea if I pronounced that correct. R-E in brackets in Carnation. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. And Alana, you happen to be a near fan and you happen to have played this mobile spinoff. I did. And it, uh, it got runner up and you were, you felt. Uh, it's I, mixed, right? I think yeah. that's the best way I can put it because I think as a near game, it's great, but it's a horrible gacha game with really horrible luck and drop rates. Um, so really a mileage is going to vary like if you're a fan of gacha or you don't mind gacha then you'll probably be okay but like if you're like me you're gonna go in and i think even though it doesn't i haven't played much of it since i wrote my review back in the summer in august well yeah if i recall you weren't exactly having much fun with it you were in, you were into it like you were absorbed by the story and things like that mm. but you weren't enjoying yourself no exactly like i didn't like playing it and i think at the time i said that i think on random i said that if it was a visual novel i think i'd love it i think i'd absolutely love it because it does so many cool things like other near games with sound with visuals with story with presentation that i think it would really lend itself but and i'm glad it's one one runner up because i do think it does some things really i think it's one of the best looking mobile games ever maybe apart from maybe fantasian um just because of the way it plays with color and direction um and things like that but and the writing's good it's perhaps not like near replicant or near automata good but it's still better it's still pretty good um and from what i've heard the newer chapters certainly because they're still going with it and i think we're, we're we're parallel with japan at this point um like i've heard the story gets really 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 interesting the further along you get so maybe i do need to dip back in um maybe they just need to make the grind a little bit easier um because i'm not gonna throw money at it because that's not what i do um to an addictive a personality so if i did it i would probably get hooked um to software mm-hmm. but yeah i think it's super good i think if you're a near fan you should give it a shot um but yeah just be wary that the gacha is kind of a little bit merciless in this one so yeah. oh gotcha yeah. yeah that's that's kind of how i was too i played a good bit of it when it came out because i'm also a huge uh taro near fan mm-hmm. whatever you, you want to call it and like everything about this that is near that that has that that tone about it is done really well and it makes you want to keep playing but you will hit a gotcha wall at some point and you will have to either grind forever or pay out money. And that was the part where I couldn't continue. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is that is really genuinely too bad. That's okay. Yokotaro is really self-aware about it. He's just like, I just wanted to make money out of it. I'm like, all right, you carry on. You do Such that. an honest human. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, let me put it this way. It's not on my list of things to play, primarily because I talked to you about it, Alana, and it does not sound like it is tremendously fun. I did get... Uh, I did get um, uh, near Automata for uh, Christmas. Ooh. So that is also on my list of things to play. Oh, you absolutely should play that. For yeah. sure. Yes, I know. I know. Uh, Brian, have you played any near games at all? Or are you with me? Uh, I'm with you. This one's a blind spot for me. Um, although I think I've played at least one for almost everything else. So cool. we'll have more to add moving forward. <laughs> 
Well, uh, the Reader's Choice was right there with us for this one. Uh, the winner for Reader's Choice was Fantasian, and the runner-up was Near Reincarnation. So let's move on now to uh, a very interesting uh, uh, award, which is the Best New IP. Um, and uh, the winner is Scarlet Nexus. Now, uh, this is not a game that was on my radar even slightly. Uh, and then it really did kind of... Uh, make a splash um let's see here what did it get uh izzy reviewed it again and uh they gave it an 83 um and uh yeah it uh it, it's just a brand new ip it's not one that i've played have has anyone on here played it uh played but not completed i uh, i yes. bounced off this one after like uh, about 10 to 15 hours ah hey smart. same here <laughs> <laughs> look i think i admire both of you for that like i was I, I if I was smart, I should have bounced off Dragon Quest Eleven before I invested like seventy five hours into it. Um, I, I had this I weird thing about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I when I start a game, I if I'm enjoying it at all, if there's anything redeeming about it, I just plow through and really fight my way through. Um, I do it with books too. It's dumb. Um, so the fact that you both were very smart, you tried it and you were like, no, this isn't working for me, and then you got out. Yeah, good for you. I think it was a bit of a surprise as well, because like it, it kind of was a bit of a hint to where Namco were going with their like action RPGs. Cause um I know like they do like these kind of comic book style cutscenes, which then Tales of Arise does like sort of similarish skits, which are like their standard like kind of side conversations. Um but yeah, Scarlet Nexus really came out of nowhere. Um I haven't played it, um, but I remember seeing it and I remember there was a bit of a debate about whether we would even cover it, but then like it was very clearly an action RPG and it looks like kind of oh god what is that game that came out last year um or the year before um an action rpg action game on the switch where you are tethered to a robot oh uh, thank you yes it kind of reminded me a little bit of that but without that part of it like without the being chained to a robot kind of thing um way more loose with the action combat like it's kind of a style over substance kind of combat it looks like um but it, it looks fun it looks like something I'd like to play for maybe like 15 hours and kind of shut my brain off a little bit. Um, I know that both characters have slightly different stories, but they weave in and out of each other. Um, but yeah, it, it looks really interesting. It's cool to see Namco doing some other RPG style games, especially because, you know, they've got Souls under their wing with the public, like they published the Souls series and then all their other Japanese RPGs are either like Dragon Ball Z or like any other anime Shonen Jump style um, series. But yeah, um, I'm glad to see this win. I'm, I'm slightly sad the runner-up didn't win though from everything I've heard about it, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, me too. I was a little surprised <laughs> it didn't win either. Uh, the runner-up was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, there was, uh, this is an interesting, interesting game and not just because it is apparently an interesting, interesting game with one of the best stories of the year. Uh, I'm a big fan of guardians. Uh, I was a big fan of the comics even before the film came out. Uh, the films are terrific. I have not played this yet. Um, but when it came out, especially in the, uh, the, the, the previews and things like that and the, the preview footage, my God, was reception negative about this. And I think that was blowback from Avengers. Absolutely. Um, mm. I think people were so disappointed by Avengers that they were like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's going to be more of the same. It's just going to be another disappointing Marvel game. 
And I think it really took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, I know the E3 presentation in particular that Square Enix held, um, it was literally like 50% this and it put a lot of people off. But And I remember reading Abe's review, which I think he gave it like 80, between like 85 and 90. So it was a pretty darn high score. Um, 87, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was saying, like, he'd said, like, it was one of the most moving stories he'd ever sit, read or, like, seen in a video game. And I was like, oh, my God. And that sentiment is shared because it won Best Story at the Game Awards, which is remarkable. And I've what? seen some of the – I've seen some of the cutscenes and the direction and the voice acting and the motion capture. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. it's really, really stunning. And Guardians is probably, like – maybe one of my favorite Marvel properties um and mm-hmm. i'm just i'm i'm really glad cuz like i think the initial blowback was also like they don't look like the film versions and everything and actually no they're they're better and it, it's <laughs> really cool i think the combat's the only thing that people are a little bit hung up about which maybe does look a little bit like button mashy and basic but um I, I i don't really play many rpgs for the combat necessarily or if it's good then that's just a bonus kind of thing um so i will get to this eventually which i wasn't expecting to say seven months down the road um once it was announced so yeah, I'm 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 a little sad to see it not win, but I guess that's just the J, JRPG slant we have here. Mm. And you know, it it really is. No matter how mixed the combat is, it, it's kind of that it gets the job done. Yeah, and it gets you from set piece to set piece to these these wonderful cutscenes. Because yeah, this one took me took me by surprise too. Well, I'm a pretty big Marvel fan, um, but Guardians is like not one of my you know one of your series, you know, that, that you get really excited about, even though I've enjoyed, you know, what I've read and what I've watched of it well enough. Um, but this just blew me away because it was such a grounded human story, despite being a grand old space opera. Um, you, you get such connection to these characters and these versions of those characters uh, that, that you get a full character arc for each of five characters, which is rare. Um <laughs> To, to be able to carry that much narrative weight across that many characters. And I think that makes it shine. Not to mention, like you said, the facial animations. Uh, Lost Odyssey was the last time I was this impressed looking at like how human mm. those facial animations looked. And I'm going to talk about Lost Odyssey probably two more times. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. Is the place for it. I, uh, I'm very impressed with how it seems like they have merged, uh, I guess, bridged the comic book versions of these characters with their cinematic counterparts. Uh, because you're right. I mean, they don't, they obviously don't look like the actors, uh, but they are reminiscent of the actors, especially, and I guess, Groot and Rocket, aside from Rocket's little weird beard thing, um, but they, you know, they, they're still recognizable as those characters. So I think they've done a very, very good job of making it accessible to movie fans while also presenting a much more comic book accurate version of this property. And I mean, I'm a fan of comic book storytelling. I just am. I think there have been some amazing, operatic, touching storylines told in comics. And the fact that they have been able to translate that to a video game is heartening to me. Agreed. It's It's got the right little touch of melodrama that's not too much melodrama. Where you can really feel those enhanced emotions, you know, coming out on the page or on the screen, but it never is so intense that it takes you out of it. You're you're invested all the way through. Absolutely. Um, and uh, let's take a look at the Reader's Choice Best New IP. So the winner was Scarlet Nexus, but the runner-up was Eastward. So, uh, yeah, apparently over 50% of readers voted for Scarlet Nexus in this category. So there is much agreement with us. Um, let's move on to the next category, which is ongoing game. Um, 
if you have ever visited RPG fan or listen to a podcast with Caitlin on it, um, you can probably take a wild guess to see what won best ongoing game. Uh, and that is Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. So Final Fantasy XIV is uh, a little played RPG. Uh, it's it's short. It's to the point. Really, you, you play it for a couple of minutes, you get it. You can just stop at that point. Um, it is a game that I will never play ever, except I probably will fold at some point. Hey, Alana, have you heard of Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker? <laughs> Do you like it? Are you a fan? Maybe, yeah. Um, it's probably the game I've put them... It's 100% the game I've put the most time into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, even like counting, like... You know, we've had two patches this year as well. On top of that, like two story patches. Um, yeah, it's kind of incredible. Um, to paraphrase what Caitlin said in her review of M. Walker, which you know she loves Shadowbringers, she gave M. Walker a ninety-eight, the same score as it, so should tell you a lot. Um, like mm-hmm. the fact that they are still consistently managing to hit the same narrative highs as they did in Shadowbringers consistently is kind of remarkable to me. Like. Um, and a lot of Endwalker's story, which we'll probably talk about again, um, is a lot about hope and redemption and kind of like um, coming back from the bottom and pulling yourself up. And it's very, very hopeful and very, very like it, it basic. It's very uplifting. It's like the, one of my favorite kinds of stories, basically. And Boy, it, that sounds like something everyone could use right now. <laughs> an uplifting it's, story. It, the timing of it is kind of perfect. It, 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 it it's a real tearjerker, but like they're continually listening to fans, like to specifically look at like the ongoing aspect of it. Like, you know, there's small patches every couple of months to do combat fixes. Even now, like they're trying to work around things because certain jobs don't work as well as people want. So things are probably going to get a boost in a couple of weeks. Um, there's the gameplay reinvents itself because it's accessible. It's the most you know people say it's the most accessible mmo ever and it is one of the most accessible mmos it's the only mmo i've really played for any length of time um but yeah i just think that the fact that it's playable and it respects your time as well but also it is so well written and so well put together in so many different ways like every it's just it's pretty remarkable at this stage like Mm. there's no there's no denying it like i think it's right up there Um, i mean what caitlin said multiple times like it's should be considered as good as a mainline game 100 percent. like it's it's pretty well it is a mainline game it is a mainline game exactly which is like the whole 11 and 14 argument like they're not mainline games it's like well sorry to tell you um they are but yeah no um it's fantastic and yeah i mean it wins every year anyway that's the joke here isn't it It wins ongoing game of the year basically every year um as long as it's ongoing it will win ongoing (laughs) unless it has a really dry run of patches which (laughs) can happen but true i think the story that really amazes me about final fantasy 14 this year was and I'm, I'm not framing this in a negative way, actually. Uh, the I guess the, the trouble that it ran into at the end of 2021 involving servers and server congestion and them literally needing to suspend selling the game and trial uh, and the, the trial accounts and things like that simply because it just got so popular so fast. Um, mm. And... What really amazed me about it is I was watching the response from the community very, very closely, obviously, because I talked to half of them on Slack in the RPG fan form. Um, And the response to these problems was a tremendous amount of understanding. Uh, And uh, it was it was 
there was obviously frustrations, but people weren't negative. They weren't like hoping that Square Enix's house would burn down. They understood and they were wanting, you know, the problem to be fixed as soon as possible. And I have trouble thinking of any other game or property or, or publisher who would have received that same amount of goodwill if something went that wrong with their game. And there's something about that response that made me actually want to play Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker, because I feel that if this is the way the community responded in the worst of times, then at the best of times, they must just it must just be wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's the community is really fantastic generally. Um, I don't know if I'd say it necessarily went wrong. We had some like idea that there would be issues. Like I know that Stormblood's launch was a little bit messy. Um, but like the main problem is that, you know, one, there's a conductor shortage due to the pandemic. Um, so you can't make any more data centers, although we are now getting those. Um, so that'll be good. Um, and the other thing really is that um, the kind of spaghetti structure it's based on is still lingering from 1.0, which is like the bad version. Um, Haunting everything. So, yeah, it's kind of still holding it back in some ways, like some of the visuals, some of the textures, and also like generally just getting online. Um, the queues now are fine. Like, okay. uh, I'm regular, I've, no I've not seen them go above 50 in the last two weeks the game still isn't available it's not going to be available for another five days uh like yeah it'll be like a couple of days after this episode goes live so uh yeah, yeah the episode will go live so it'll be if you were looking to play final fantasy 14 you should be able to buy it again tomorrow uh that would be tuesday the 25th so um <clears throat> i do need to, to to speak to that a little bit for, from my perspective because like again their response was absolutely beautiful the community response to that was really lovely like these are unfortunate circumstances that, that Square Enix was dealing with. They've been trying to get the uh, new servers online for a while, but, you know, the pandemic affects everything. Um, but Yeah, but it, I mean, when was the last time that unfortunate circumstances were greeted by the internet with a, yes. hey, you're doing the best you can? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I absolutely adore that. But it, it has been rough for my situation as like mm. a dad with a full-time job and just a lot going on. My my game time each day is pretty narrow. Yeah. Um. As it is, uh, especially with other obligations that often take up those like two hours I have every day, and every time I've Thank tried you for to log being here, <laughs> <laughs> every every time I've I've logged on during that time, I've had a two thousand plus queue, yeah. and I would not be through the queue before I had to like go to bed because I had work the next day, to the point where I finally had to just suspend my my service account because I just I I would have finished Endwalker last month easily, um, but I could just never get in, and when I could get in, it was like an all-day affair of like, okay, let's jiggle the analog stick to make sure it doesn't time out due to yeah. inactivity and let's let's babysit it. And I, I couldn't do that anymore, unfortunately. So I'm excited to finish this in, <laughs> you know, a month or so when when things have calmed down a little bit. But um, it, it it's impressive that this game has so much support regardless of circumstances like that, where for a solid month, um, people had so many barriers to entry, but they still wanted to play it. Mm, those 202 errors that everyone was getting were a nightmare. They were yes. really... I got them a couple of times and I got lucky, but I've also got the slight advantage of playing on an American server on UK time, so I'm never quite logging in at the worst periods. Yeah. And when I am, the queues are only like 2,000 or 3,000 at the most, so I can sit and do something else, which obviously I don't have the responsibility that you have and that sucks like i know that it sucks so badly for so many people um so hopefully hopefully people will get to see what's and walker's got to offer soon um yeah 
and then have a patch ready as well probably in a few months to dive straight into yeah, that's the thing. even better experience yeah and uh, like as far as i've gotten it has been an absolute dream like every time i go to a new area i gasp a little bit oh, and yeah like there are it is a story spoiler to talk about some of the the areas that you go to because they're just so meaningful after all the years this narrative has had to build up that's what makes it so amazing as an ongoing game is because it rewards you investing in the world so consistently. I'm hell just visiting new places is gasworthy at this point in our lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I'm actually 100% serious about that. It's one, It's the beauty of video games is that it can actually, the sense of discovery of playing certain kind of large-scale RPGs can trick your brain into thinking that you are visiting a new place. It gives you a bit of that same endorphin rush as you would doing it in the real world. And that is invaluable right now. I agree. Brian. Have you played Final Fantasy Endwalker? Uh, not Endwalker. I'm in Stormblood. <laughs> You're still in Stormblood. Okay. Uh, so maybe I'll get to Endwalker eventually, but I actually haven't played in a while. So maybe someday. Mm, yeah. Every single time I talk about this darn game, I'm like, mm, I should play it. And then I'm like, uh, one day. It is good. You should play it. Mm. One day. One day when they announce that the, the servers are shutting down in 20 years from now. <laughs> Probably not 20 years from now. Actually, I can't even imagine what the world will be like in 20 years from now. I can't imagine what the world will be like next year. I can't imagine what the world will be like in July. Don't, don't put that forward. Don't put that forward. Don't even think about it. Just just carry You're on. Right. Live in the moment. Yes, carry Carry on. That's a very good you idea. Let's save, carry on to the runner up. You should say forge ahead, really. That's a 14, for 14 reference. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> okay, I'll say it and not understand it. Let's forge ahead now to the runner up, Genshin Impact. <laughs> um, I just heard Pete cheer somewhere in the distance. Um, Genshin Impact is, uh, as most people know at this point, a free to play uh, online experience. And it's, 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 like I said, it's free. And apparently the amount of content you get for it, uh, for that freeness is astounding. It does have gacha mechanics, but those are not integrated into the game in a way that really, uh, disrupt the overall experience. Uh, it's not a game that I played. It's not a game that particularly I want to play. It's just seems like there's a lot of politics involved, not in, not in the game itself, but around the game. That's a little exhausting. Um, but whenever I hear someone talk about it and really having enjoyed it, it, it makes me think that does sound like a lot of fun. Um, does anyone have any experience with Genshin Impact? Yeah, uh, I played it quite a bit when it came out. And then now I kind of log in from time to time to play it. Um, usually after I think I write most of the news articles for Genshin Impact. So whenever I write one for an exciting patch, I'm like, OK, I guess I better log in then. Um, but yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm actually gonna, I, I would disagree a little bit that the gacha mechanics are like totally divorced from like your enjoyment of the game. Um, cause I mean, it's how you get characters and weapons. And I mean, there's some that you can get for free, but I mean, ultimately people like getting characters, right? So I, I do think it's a meaningful gate to like content that people generally want in this type of game, but it is very generous for a gacha game. Um, I mean, you get all the maps, uh, you get all of these quests and missions to do. It's about as good as it gets for a gacha okay. game, in my opinion. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, between the two of them, <laughs> between the two of them, I would probably play Final Fantasy XIV if I had to choose. And, you know, I probably, actually, I would have to choose if I decided to play an online game. Um, the reader's choice was right along our line. It was uh, Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker is the winner and Genshin Impact is the runner-up with 83% of the votes going towards Final Fantasy XIV. So, uh, turns out that 
RPG fans do enjoy Final Fantasy games. Who knew? Um, let's move on now to best remake or re-release. Um, so there have been a lot of great remakes this year. I mean, every every year feels like a year of a remake or a re-release at this point. But this year specifically, there have been a couple that really just, uh, I guess, re-delivered some experiences that people absolutely love. Uh, and the winner uh, is, I mean, Alana certainly is a fan of this, Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. Uh, and this is a improved version of the classic uh, version of Nier. And it was a real revamp in many, many ways, especially compared to the version of the game that we got here in the West. Um, and uh, Alana, why don't, you, why don't you talk a little bit about Nier? I know that uh, I can just let you go and you'll, you'll take off there. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it, it really, I know there was a lot of worry because obviously the original version we got was Dad Nier. And this version is the original Japanese intended protagonist, a uh, teenage or boy near. Um, and oh my God, does it work well still? Um, most of the new additions I think are brilliant. The visuals are brilliant. The redone music's brilliant. Um, it shows like, I, I, I feel like the original near was very, I don't want to say it was misunderstood, but I totally think that like, given that it didn't have much of a budget and the fact that it came out within like weeks of Final Fantasy 13, I think it was totally overshadowed and people were willing to misunderstood just... Misunderstood in its time. Yeah, misunderstood in its time. And I think that like, because Toro himself has like a bit of a, a big like following given Dragon God kind of falls into that same like, not enough budget, tons of ambition, doesn't always hit there, but God is it weird and memorable. Um, and that's basically what the original Nier was. And a replicant, like, it, it's definitely got like the experience of automata's success behind it and there's a lot it's a lot cleaner and a lot more like it's just brilliant and i think i think near replicant still i slightly prefer near replicant story to automata's just because of how much more personal it is um and Mm. i think i've like grown fonder because i know i had some issues with some of the new stuff when it came out um but like i've grown a lot fonder of a lot of the aspects of it over the year um but yeah i think it's brilliant to see it come back because near near originally was really good anyway um it just probably didn't play great now it plays slightly better it's still a little bit annoying but it's just it's beautiful in so many different ways um and yeah i'm really really happy that we finally got we finally got a way to play near original like in a way that i think was originally intended so yeah it's it's the best kind of remaster where it makes it feel like you think it should have played back then yes uh oh, that's it, the trick <laughs> it's it's such a good job where it doesn't feel like a radically different game it doesn't feel like you know a remake remake um it it feels like okay they they did a lot of work to make this feel relatively like not fully modern but like something that modern fans couldn't digest now that the series has a lot more fans than it did when this first released and like you said i i I agree that i think the original near story might be um the the best thing in that whole universe (laughs) uh and it's just wonderful that people have a chance to experience that who you know otherwise would have had to travel back to um the gestalt version from you know two generations ago which is a, a Tall order at this point. Mm, which I think is mm. on Game Pass now, actually, or has been in the last couple of months, which is kind of funny to me, but yeah. Yep. So now you have two different flavors. You have Dad Near and Brother Near. Mm-hmm. It's it's a game that I, if I have to choose, I think I'd play Automata uh, 
first off, simply because I own Automata. And second off, because it, that's a game that I've been wanting to play for a long time now. I feel like if I played Automata and I really, really enjoyed it, that this might be my next stop after that. Yeah, that makes sense. I still think Autobots still plays better, I'd say. Um, but that's the yeah, Platinum Games pedigree there for you, isn't it? Yeah, there's a reason it has the reputation it does. Uh-huh. Speaking of reputation of games, <laughs> uh, the runner-up was one of the... I guess it's a compilation of three of the most beloved uh, space opera RPGs ever created. And that is the Mass Effect Trilogy Legendary Edition. So yeah, it's it's the first three Mass Effect games, which again, I got for Christmas and I'm excited to play finally. Um, But yeah, this is apparently they've they've really done a quite a quite a bit of quite a few touch ups to it and really offered a great version of this. Uh, are there any Mass Effect and Bioware fans here? Oh yeah, yep, yeah. I mean, honestly, this is probably my like re-release of the year. Um, as much as I love Nier, um, this era of Bioware is like so heavily influential on me, and this is Mass Effect is near to your heart. Very, very near mm-hmm. to my heart. Uh, it's Boom. it's just incredible. <laughs> I'll just do myself. <laughs> Someone had to. It's such a good update to it. Like a lot of the updates aren't super noticeable unless you've played the originals recently or, um, you know, or have played them like five times through uh, like I had before this came out. And then I played nothing but this until I finished the whole trilogy. Um, but those those little changes make, you know, the first game is is widely regarded as, you know, so much older and, and harder to play. And it's got all these weird mechanics that were halfway between RPG and shooter. And this doesn't completely change that. It still has that identity to it, but it's not extremely difficult to get into for, for a modern audience. Like the shooting feels a little tighter and some of the the weird bits have been sanded off to make it more in line with the rest of the series, um, mm. even if they haven't fundamentally changed it. I'm still working my way through the trilogy again. It's a replay for me, but um, I finished Mass Effect 1 in it and I agree that the quality of life changes actually make a much bigger difference than I expected, especially like the Mako segments, which are like when you're driving a vehicle on planet surfaces. Yeah, I heard those some are of the kind of the most made fun of thing <laughs> in the original game. And it feels so much less awful in this one to me. Um, so definitely the best version of this uh, to play. And now you can play it on PlayStation, which is great. Yeah, that's that's weird for my brain to process but yes it is great oh yeah there was like console specific dlc wasn't there and things like that and that's all like included with um the legendary edition right um well for for a long time it was just only on xbox what the original or um, for years all, uh, all well all three of them were oh that's right out. yeah they had like a year didn't they between um releases or something like that yeah you're right. A couple in the case of the original Mass Effect. I think it was released in. I was going to say I don't. 2008, think that... and then I don't think it was into the 2010s that we got it got put on PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. If you were a PlayStation person, it was a while before you got Mass Effect One. You were more familiar with the little comic catch-up comic than the game itself. <laughs> That's, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, because yeah, like I haven't played Mass Effect myself ever, but I've like my friend. It's like my best friend's favorite video game series, so I've watched them play it probably about four or five times times like at least two and three four or five times and it's just so good to see the progression between those two games and like one is not one i've really seen a ton of um i know the marker sections are obviously a pain um but it's good to hear because i know people were worried that they would like maybe make it too similar um but it's good to hear that those like quality of life changes do make it better um this might actually be the time to play them maybe um Mm. 
but yeah i'm i'm like i don't know i'm not as big on western rpgs but the writing and the conversations and the characters like totally totally uh, just absolutely up my street so yeah i think this is peak bioware yeah i yeah. mean my my only experience with bioware is star wars uh, knights of the old republic which yeah. to be fair is a very good experience to have Fantastic. uh and many more will be experiencing it uh, in a few months when it is the featured game on retro encounter uh which i will be on and i am very excited to replay it again so this seems like an evolution of uh kotor it's not in terms of uh not in terms of uh, property, but in terms of genre, which yeah. seems like something that I would very much enjoy. Yeah, this is this is the closest to like a successor to KOTOR that Bioware put out, and it's it's a blast. Mm. Yeah, and I will also say, I know I was just talking about like, oh, they added the quality of life changes to make the gameplay for the first one less bad. And I know a lot of people talk, like say stuff like that about the first Mass Effect. Mass Effect 1 is still great. For uh, sure. You just kind of have to get past the gameplay a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this this version makes it easier too. Like how fantastic is that? It was released in 2007, which was a long time ago. 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> I feel like my life has literally just become a steady stream of, oh my God, that was so long ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, I'm really glad that... Uh, that both of these games got released and both of these games are being enjoyed by folks and our readers agree because Nier got the winner of best remake and re-release and the runner-up was Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So they are on the same page as us yet again. Um, is there anything anyone else would like to say about these either one of these games? Just get them both. <laughs> yes, Pretty <please>. much, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so now we're going to move on to best strategy RPG of 2021. And uh, this is an area I have not played either of these games. Uh, the winner is Super Robot Wars 30. Uh, Neil was here on Random two weeks ago to talk about Super Robot Wars. And it is a, it sounds like a very, very interesting series. Yes. Um, that This is the first one that has been released here in the West. Um, but it is a, I mean, it's a 30-year-old series. Uh, and it, it's it's very meta in that it takes various uh, mechs from uh, anime series, very mecha anime series, like just all of them, as far as I can tell, and puts them together in the same world, and you know they interact with each other, and that's a that's an interesting, an interesting uh, central conceit of the game. Has anyone either does anyone have any experience with Super Robot Wars or? for that matter, mecha anime. Uh, I have quite a bit with both. I am, uh, I'll be the Super Robot Wars advocate for the, this segment if we need. <laughs> Take uh, it. So the the only thing that made me hesitant is that, you know, I haven't played Super Robot Wars 30 yet, purely because I own it and I'm waiting for uh, the right time to stream. <laughs> uh, and, and I want to play it, you know, completely on stream. Um, but the series, you know, has been around for ages. It was like a legend back when I was in high school where you go and try to find translations online to to try to get to play them. Um, one, one of, uh, the people that I've shared streams with actually learned Japanese specifically for the super robot wars games because they were so influential. That is impressive. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, and it's useful after the fact too, but, uh, the games, you know, have this long storied history and there's been a bit of a turn in the last five years or so where like the last three or four games have gotten fully English releases, um, only for, you know, Asia. Um, but it was very easy to import for for full price. But this is the first one that's like, it's on American storefronts. You can play this. All that licensing nightmare seems to just not be a problem anymore. Um, because that was always the issue. These were properties 
um, owned primarily by the publisher in Japan, but over here they're owned by dozens of different companies who are, you know, want a piece of it. And the games are too niche to to support that. But they're these interesting little strategy RPGs. Unless you play on the hardest difficulty, they're not hard, but they are flashy. They are the most beautifully animated 2D games you'll see this side of like a Vanillaware game. Um, and even then it kind of goes over the top more sometimes because it replicates the animation style of each of the mecha anime that they introduce and use music from those. Um, so like one of the first things any hardcore Super Robot Wars fan does is like just go and watch how every attack looks with every new mech that you get. Like you just have to see the the, the flash from it. And that's almost maybe a bigger pull than anything else. And sure, they, they they do a lot with the stories. They pull in stories from uh, you know every mech that they use. They incorporate it into one large melding story. Sometimes it's this weird like Isekai. Everyone got pushed in from their own world, but most of the time it's no. We're just going to make a new world that incorporates all of these different canons and just find a way to make a history that makes sense with fifteen, twenty different pro- uh, properties. Um, I highly encourage any mecha fan like check out the first real uh western release we got um because it's you know the series as a whole is just a a blessing for big mecha fans well that's very very high praise um i am not a mecha anime fan um i suspect that it sounds like the gameplay mechanics i would enjoy but if someone say had absolutely no exposure to these properties do you think they would still enjoy it you know what what i found and, and i talked with neil about this a little bit as well is that it's very easy to play this and just have heard of some of these series through osmosis. And then the mm. game just actually gets you interested in playing uh, or watching those those original properties. Yes, Neil mentioned that, that uh, it actually got him into a couple of new shows. Yeah, he's been watching Gunsword uh, from, from this, which is lovely. But um, the game has a helpful little encyclopedia. Whenever a new person pops up, you press square or whatever equivalent on, on what you're playing on. And you get like a little blurb of history of that character as they exist in this universe. Um, so you never have to like really go outside of here to figure out what the heck is going on. You'll see a lot of lines that are clearly references that you know you're not getting. But none of them are going to make the, the game more difficult to get into. It's very much a we want to introduce people to something kind of game. Hmm. Interesting. Uh Brian or Alana, have either of you, do you either of you have interest in mecha anime? Uh, I like, like, the very mainstream mecha anime. I enjoy some Gundam, but I haven't watched um, much of uh, the Gun more, sword. like, at least niche in the West stuff, because um, I know Super Robot Wars pulls from, like, a pretty wide array of from anime. From what I can tell, pretty much everything. Pretty much. Like, it's it's crazy the amount of properties this thing get. Like, it yes. sounds like it pulls from almost as many as Smash. Yeah, they've gotten dang near everything. The fact that they could fit Cowboy Bebop into one, uh, a series that doesn't actually have any mechs, um, <laughs> they'll go wild card oh, yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah, they've had Ultraman. They've had uh, Cowboy Bebop. They've had, you know, Space Battleship Yamato. All these things that aren't a, like mecha series. They'll still pull them in as like fan service brilliant yeah yeah no i'm much the same as brian like i've only really watched a few mainstream ones and like i'm not really a massive strategy rpg fan anyway but you said flashy and not that difficult and i think i'm interested now like it it just it it just looks delightful and i love crossover games that are just willing to lose themselves in it like fandoms and like celebrate what they are putting on the table basically it's not like a we're gonna throw loads of lore at you it's more of a like this is what we've got and you know they're going to give you information and tease you into each of these like little series um that yeah i'm definitely gonna keep an eye on it especially because this is the first western release we've had for this series so if i can support a small series then i'll do that cool 
Um, and the runner-up for this topic is Disgaea 6, Defiance of Destiny. Now, this is one of the uh, the Disgaea series is, you know, there's tons of them. Um, and this is the latest one. And uh, apparently it is the first one to present its character models in 3D, which will push it into probably making it a little bit more accessible to uh, certain players. Um, not a game I'm familiar with. Has anyone played any from the series? No, this is a strategy RPG series that I am staying well away from. It's got big, 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 big numbers and lots of mm. grinding, and that's not really my thing. Um, but Prinnies are cute, so, you know. <laughs> it's, it's the polar opposite of all the things you said you liked about, you know, how Super Robot Wars sounds. <laughs> yeah, Where it's much. just so dense, it's got so many systems to dig into. Um, I've I've tried the series a number of times, and honestly, this is the most tempting because it's got auto battle, which is... Yes. Uh, perfect for someone like me, uh, <laughs> where, where I'll just mobile game this thing. I do like when games play themselves. <laughs> I've played uh, four, five, and six uh, for Disgaea. And I really like Disgaea. I was very excited for this release. But uh, unfortunately, I think it's probably my least favorite of the three that I've played. Um, well, I wasn't too psyched for the transition to the 3D models. I like the old sprite-based approach. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest problem is the performance actually suffers for it. Um, like, at least on the mm. Switch. Is it still only on Switch, or did they port it to anything I else yet? I think it's only on Switch over here. Yeah, yeah. They released it in Japan on some other consoles, but in the, uh, the West, it's okay. their Switch. And it struggles on the switch it stutters even when you're just kind of in the hub world running around which isn't a deal breaker for me but it's not ideal when you know the previous entries that i also played on switch didn't do that um that's and a shame the the kind of programmable auto battling is neat but i think it's actually a little like too strong to the point where the average way i would play a level in disgaea 6 is start the level put my switch down and go do something else until the level's done hmm. see i like the sound uh, of that but i'm a i'm a fool so <laughs> I, I don't inherently mind it because i'm probably one of the like five people that enjoys playing disgaea for the story uh <laughs> but um i'm just reading the plot of this thing now and it is making me um smile oh they're ridiculous <laughs> the plot of these games is absolutely ridiculous yeah and that was one thing i was very happy with this game for i felt like disgaea 5 took itself a little bit too seriously I and mean, there's still plenty of jokes but the plot at its core was fairly serious uh whereas this game went back to being silly over the top i'm reading this zed has lost to the god many times already but every time he dies he is reborn thanks to a power called super reincarnation <laughs> not just reincarnation super reincarnation it's very literal it's all the rage and reincarnation mm -hmm. yeah i mean that, that only makes me think of like there being like an SNES D make of near reincarnation, super near reincarnation. That would be wonderful. I'd play that. <laughs> For sure. Oh yeah, I would love like D makes of, of like current, uh, current gen titles. Um, hmm. Yeah, not something that's particularly catching my interest. To be completely honest, um, we're making Solosi very upset. Though I can hear him. I can hear those numbers. <laughs> oh, I, I, I paid homage to Monster Hunter. Solosi's fine. <laughs> Okay, and uh, yeah, Reader's Choice for Best Strategy RPG was on the same page as us, slightly, but reading the pages in a slightly different order. So uh, Defiance of Destiny got the winner, but the super runner-up was Super Robot Wars 30. So same games, slightly different order. Um, let's move on now to the traditional RPG, the best traditional RPG of 2021. 
And the winner of this year's was Shin Megami Tensei 5. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, take it. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm a... Take it. Run, run, I'm a go. huge Shin Megami Tensei fan, and I feel like, you know, all the sales records that Shin Megami Tensei 5 has broken, the fact that the series is back on a home console, um, it means only good things for the mainline series going forward. Uh, in a time where Persona has really risked uh, taking over the entirety of the Shin Megami Tensei series because risked that one <laughs> it's it's risked for those of us that love the mainline and want them both to coexist it's okay it's, it's, like, it's, it's definitely is... been one of those I feel like they've been reconsidering why they're making all these other Shin Megami Tensei games when when Persona is the big money maker um but Shin Megami Tensei 5 showed that there is still a viable audience for um something a little less story driven a little bit more uh, you know, difficult, uh, something that, that engages you a little bit more in the combat and a little bit less in the story. Um, mm. And in fact, I honestly, I think Shin Megami Tensei five is a step back in story from um, three and four in some ways, but the gameplay has evolved to something a lot more modern. The UI has taken cues from thing from those spinoffs, like, uh, uh, like even uh, TMS sharp FE, um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. It it took a lot of UI cues from that, and the way that it kind of helps you along with weaknesses and um, how to use your turns most strategically um, is. I mean, it, it's the right move at this at this stage in gaming. This is the right game for them to make to prove that that formula still has viability, and it absolutely has. I mean, it's it's crushed serial, uh, sales records for the mainline series. Um, mm. and it's it's only still selling. Uh, Izzy very much enjoyed it. Uh, they gave it a 92. I have heard mixed things about this game. Actually, I've heard mixed things about this game from Solosi. Um, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, he's yeah. definitely more mixed on it than a lot of people. And yeah. I think he was like expecting like that better story. Um, I think one of the. I, this is maybe the most interested I've ever been in an SMT game just because. Like, I tried to get into three a long time ago and it kicked my butt so hard that I ran away screaming. And I was like, okay. Um, and then obviously SMT3 Nocturne got re-released this year and then SMT5. So it's been a good year for... Um, this has been a very good year for SMT. Yeah, really good. Um, and 5's got like the updated visuals. Like it, It's gone for a more open world aspect as well. Um, and I think it lets you do a lot of tinkering. Like I, from what I've heard, the gameplay is like excellent. Like the amount of like demon negotiation and fusing you can do. Um, I don't even think it's negotiation. I'm not getting my like series mixed up. Um, but like, no, um, good. oh, good, good, good. Um, so yeah, there's just so much you can do. There's so many combinations and like, yeah, I, I, I've been never been more interested in SMT than I am with Shin Megami Tensei Five. Um, and actually, hearing you say Wes that like it kind of guides you along a little bit with the weaknesses is good because like I don't mind challenging games, but like I don't, I'm not looking for my like I'm not looking to be absolutely destroyed. So it's good. Okay. And like Shin Megami Tensei Four, they implemented difficulty settings. So even you know for any Ooh. listeners that are nervous about the difficulty. Um, you don't, you don't have to be punished. Yeah, I won't play it on the story mode like you did with SMT3, though, if that's an option. That was painful. <laughs> it's so too easy that you just breeze through it. No, I want a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. I've got to be honest, I don't have much interest in playing this game. Now, the Persona series uh, has attracted my attention. I don't know why. I, I Maybe it's just based on what I've heard, and I, I think I'm a, just a bigger fan of story right now than I am yeah. Yeah, mechanics. Yeah, probably. And that's fair. I, I would say that despite having similar gameplay, very different energies. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. SMT and Persona. 
I like both, but they're definitely totally different moods for me. I really like the look of the main character, though. The design oh. is really awesome. Oh, and Harbino, his it's hair my, forever. It's my yeah. absolute favorite. It, like, veers a- away from, like, strict gender norms, which, I don't know, that's yeah. that's the main character for me. I want my non-binary hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Are they non-binary? They're insanely they're, hot. <laughs> they're They're not technically, you know, it's a human who becomes this being that's, like, it's questionable kind of what what they are but um they definitely become a lot more like feminine when they when they fuse and become the nahobino okay mm-hmm. yeah i don't know why for some reason i was looking at this and i was picturing the non-binary thing and gozer from ghostbusters popped into my head um <laughs> wow <laughs> well gozer gozer is neither a he yes. or a or a she and and is is a they but is a somewhat female presenting and is a god um until they're a marshmallow man um, sorry, I just watched Ghostbusters Afterlife a few days ago, so it's really on my mind. Um, well, let's move on to the runner-up of this topic, which is a game that was my favorite traditional RPG of 2021, which was Bravely Default 2. Uh, I love the Bravely... Jeez, I wrote this one too. It's amazing what you forget you write <laughs> sometimes. Um, I was reading... <laughs> it's funny when I'm reading something, I'm like, wow, this sounds like I wrote it. Oh. I did. <laughs> I did. Um, the Bravely series... I'm a massive fan of it. Uh, there are so many references in it to classic SNES Final Fantasy games. Uh, it really feels like an evolution of where the first, of where Final Fantasy four, five, and six went. If if that continued, that's where the Bravely series uh, has gone. And it has many of the same things like airships, crystals, uh, party member of consistent four members, that kind of thing. Uh, Bravely Default two really brought together many of the things I loved about Bravely Default 1 and Bravely Second and put it into a a seemingly more accessible package for a lot of people. Uh, The game looks gorgeous. Again, it looks like an evolution of the SNES style of super deformed characters. Uh, I know a lot of people were a little bit taken aback by the character styles. They said, "Ah, why do they look like this? And it's an evolution of what it was on the uh, on the uh, 3DS but I think they look awesome. It just, just this game really hits me where I live. It, it really scratched every single itch I had for a traditional RPG, and I just had a wonderful time with it. And it still has some of those uh, fourth wall breaking moments that make the Bravely series what it is. Has anyone else played Bravely Default Two this year? Yeah, and I am in full agreement with you. Uh, for me, this is my favorite traditional RPG of the year, um, and I think it's possibly the best job system. That I've ever so played. Damn with. good. And and the thing that I love about it is because I feel like a lot of job systems you don't really have to engage with. Like another game I played this year that I loved, but I thought had this problem with the job system was um Yakuza Like a Dragon. I never really felt like I needed to change jobs in that game, whereas in Bravely Default 2, I probably took a different job combination into every boss until like maybe the last 10 hours of the game at that point i had found a pretty broken party but before that i was changing (laughs) jobs very regularly uh which i like a lot that's the secret it's you got to figure out what you got to figure out how to break the game this game wants you to try every job you unlock too so it encourages you to break the game i had such a great time like the the job system in this game was not just fun it was not just a great evolution of the job system from uh Final Fantasy V and Bravely Default, but also the character designs and the different costumes were so cool. Um, what Whenever I would get unlock new jobs, I would always call Amanda into the room to be like, I got new jobs! And she'd come in and we'd like go through their costumes together. 
and be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And uh, some of the costumes in this game are ridiculously cool. Yeah. And and the, the jobs that follow traditional Final Fantasy lore always have a little twist in this one. Whereas in previous yeah. games, they didn't always hew to very close to traditional Final Fantasy looks. This time, everything feels like, oh, this is Bravely Default's world we're playing in now. Like 100%, mm-hmm. the Final Fantasy DNA is still there under the surface, but I'm not looking at it <laughs> the whole time, um, which is pretty yeah. cool evolution for this series. I uh, I was a big fan of it. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I have to admit, I, I, I agree with you about, uh, I agree with you about the Yakuza uh, like a dragon. I thought the job system was really, really cool. I loved how they integrated it into the game with the uh, with the job center. I just wish that the jobs were a little bit more varied and wacky and crazy uh, because there, I feel like they could have pulled more from the Yakuza series in that sense. Um, but that's that's another game of the year or another one of my games of the year. Um, I'm just glad that yeah. this game exists. I'm glad it got released. Uh, really, really would like another live concert uh, DVD or Blu-ray that I could uh, buy because uh, the live concert uh, uh, Linked Horizon is one of my favorite all-time video game concerts. It's so amazing, and I would love to see uh, them do that with uh, Bravely Default 2. Um, yeah, I, I think this one had my favorite mini game of the year, too. I really enjoyed uh, B&D. Such a damn good card game. Oh, it was so good. If you love a car, if you love a good card game in your RPGs, this one has a dandy. I, I would go so far as to say better than Triple Triad, <laughs> personally. Shots are fired, but they're shots that I would be standing behind instead of in front of. Yeah, for, as far as I'm concerned, that's a low bar, but the card game is excellent as a connoisseur of <laughs> RPG card games. Do people not like Triple Triad? I don't. I thought people liked Triple people Triad. People do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just being the bad guy here. You're talking to somebody who like um, praised or said that the card game in Dot Hack was better last time as well, recently. on yep. Oh, so we're all standing behind the rifle fire, firing into the crowd. So okay. yeah, you've got like two consecutive weeks of people digging on Triple Triad here. I don't mind Triple Triad. I'm not really. Oh, I meant that as praise. I like triple triad. I just think D&D is better. <laughs> it is. I'll, I'm with it's you regardless. Really, it's a really good card game. I, I had a very good time playing it in that game. Um, has anyone else anything to say about Bravely Default 2? Not really. No, I haven't or, played it. And I don't think I enjoy the Bravely series. And I don't know why. I tried to play one and bounced off really hard about halfway through. So oh, that's, no, I don't. that's fascinating to me. I would have put money that you would have... Uh, gotten as absorbed into it as I did, but that's just the nature of games sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it another shot because, like, this was when did Bravely Default One come out? 2013, 14? I don't know. Yeah, about ten years ago. Yeah, uh, Bravely Default Two has no connection to it except from th- it, it's final. Fa- it's the Final Fantasy series in terms of yeah. this game has nothing to do with the previous ones. It just uses the same iconography and stuff like that. Oh, maybe I'll watch my other half play at some point, but we'll see. For what it's worth, I think I made it two and a half hours into Bravely Default 1 okay. before I bounced off it. Uh, <laughs> and I really liked Bravely Default 2. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That was a bit more of an endorsement. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that in that Bravely Default isn't necessarily my series. I think it's perfectly fine, but I've never really gotten into one. Bravely Default 2, I got pretty hardcore into for a while. Ooh. I know that people are very divided on the plot twist of Bravely Default, but it was one of my favorite plot twists in a game ever. I love it so much. Um, but that is a very old game, and we have more new games to talk about. So let's talk about the best unconventional, or actually, let's before we do that, let's take a look at what the uh, best traditional RPG readers' choices were. Oh, SMT5 and runner-up Bravely Default 2. <laughs> Easy. 
Okay, let's take a look at the best unconventional or hybrid RPG, and the winner was New Pokemon Snap. Um, people have wanted New Pokemon Snap for literally decades. Uh, I I played Pokemon Snap on my Nintendo 64. I loved it. It was a great game. Uh, people have wanted it, and they got it, and it delivered. That's pretty much all I can say about it. I haven't played it yet. Uh, no, Nikki was a big fan of it when uh, she reviewed it. Has anyone played New Pokemon Snap? A little, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, it's wild to think that it's taken 20 years for them to do it, or 21 years, I suppose. But like, I think they said in an interview, the Pokemon company, that they just couldn't get it to work until now. Um, and my God, did they get it to work? Because it's one of the prettiest games on the Switch as well. And I think like, as I get older as a Pokemon fan, like I'm more interested in the Pokemon themselves than actually the RPG side of it. So like to see these like creatures like run around in their own habitats and like taking pictures mm -hmm. of them and just like, it's a little grindy new Pokemon Snap. Like you have to do a lot of the levels over and over, but like it just, it's basically taken the premise of the original N64 game and I don't know, time multiplied it by 10. And there you go. There's new Pokemon Snap, which is basically all anyone ever wanted. And it's great. It's perfect for like whirling away like a couple of hours just to chill out. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's really, it's really, really good. I'm so glad we've got another new Pokemon Snap. I think of it as how you remember Pokemon Snap. Like it's as good as you remember it as a kid. <laughs> it's like the near thing, but yeah, with Pokemon Snap. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and to see like, because, well, most Pokemon at this point now are in 3D anyway, but like many of them hadn't got like their big like 3D models, like, you know, Pokemon Coliseum style or even the original Pokemon Snap. So you've got like, oh gosh, uh, let's jump around to like Gen 7 Pokemon, I suppose, or Gen 6 Pokemon, which may have appeared in Smash, but. It's just so, so cool. And there's so many little gimmicks as well that they've added. Like, there's tons of replayability and free DLC where you can go tiny. Like, the fact that they updated free it. Heavens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. I, I thought they were going to do it. Um, I wasn't sure if they were going to make it paid given that. Free but, Nintendo? I know. Nintendo free? It was like <laughs> a surprise as well. They were like, it's coming out in like two weeks. And it was a lot of additional stuff that just brought more replayability to the game. So, yeah, it's hmm. superb. Really good. Cool. Yeah, I, I loved new Pokemon Snap. My first, I mean, I had some handheld consoles before this, but my first console as a kid was a Nintendo 64. And this was one of the first game I played the original Pokemon Snap. Um, so this was very nostalgic for me. Mm -hmm. But I almost think it makes sense that they wait a very long time before they release this one, because the core gameplay is essentially the same. And I don't really know how much more you could even change it. It's basically a rails shooter, right? Yeah. So like kind of 10 to 15 years is kind of a, a fine amount of time to me to make the formula feel fresh again in a genre that you don't see too many games made in these days. It's a game that I feel like I would like because I think it would be very relaxing. Oh, it is. Calming, relaxing. And that sounds very nice right now. A nice calming, relaxing journey through the wilderness taking photos of Pokemon. Um, a runner up for this one is a game that we talked about a little earlier, which is Loop Hero. Um, so yeah, Loop Hero, like you said, Alana, combines a lot of different, well, I mean, you wrote the blurb here, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of different aspects of different kinds of, uh, games that we cover and, uh, it, it pulls them together in a really, really organic way. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really neat. Yeah. Just addictive and also relaxing in its own weird way. 
um, but also really nerve-wracking in its own weird way. Because uh, <laughs> if you die, it's a roguelike, so you can only take wah, so wah. much loot with you, and that some of that loot is really important. So, And you always yeah. lose the stuff you need because it's a roguelike and it hates me. So there you go. <laughs> well, uh, our reader's choice for this one was actually the reverse. Again, Loop Hero 1 and uh, new Pokemon Snap was the runners-up. So let's take a look at the first uh, the first uh, element award, which is best animal or mascot character, and we have a tie. <laughs> uh, we have t- uh, we have Hoodle from Tales of Arise and Palamutes from Monster Hunter Rise. We have another Rise and Rise here. Mm-hmm. So uh, somebody tell me about Hoodle. It's a, a cool owl. A very good. <laughs> cool helps you find other cool owls that give you sunglasses. <laughs> Okay. I mean, that's well, I, perfection. There you go. I'll I'm, I'm playing Tales of Arise. I'm not going to bed. I'm playing Tales of Arise tonight. It's also illegally small, and it's wonderful. Oh, it's so cute, isn't he? I think after, Aww. like, Tales can either do mascots really well or really badly, and I think who it was just both appropriate for a modern Tales game and also, like, just Tales enough to be like, oh, he's cute and everything. Like, the mini game collect- collecting the owls is the best part of it, sounds like. Um, yeah, it's pretty darn cute. Zero that. on the annoyance scale, a ten on the cute scale. What what else could you ask Aww. for? Yep. Well, you could ask for a dog that uh, takes corners really, really well. Oh my god, yeah. Yes. So, Palamutes, uh, we talked about them a little bit earlier. Um Definitely, Large wolf dogs. Yeah, because they're definitely not inspired by Rapide from Tales of Vesperia at all. Like, yeah, default skin, definitely not. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um, we're uh, like rideable dogs, mountable dogs, was a winner. And my favorite thing is that you can customize your Palamute. So you know, I recreated both of my dogs in Monster Hunter Rise oh, to no. come. Okay, that's me. really cute. Uh, it's. It's fantastic. Did, did you try to get your dogs to look at the dogs in the game? Yeah, they did not care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and our reader's choice for this was Hoodle One and Loperitz. Loperitz? Yeah, Loperitz, uh, how you say it. Yeah, they're moon bunnies uh, based on the naming way from Final Fantasy IV. And that is all I will tell you. Actually, no, one really cool thing in the area that they're in, which is a minor spoiler, um, if you fight, because they're like in a residential area that's near some enemy areas, um, Mm -hmm. if you fight any enemies in that area, the battle music from the original Final Fantasy IV plays. So there you go. Oh, that's adorable. Um, I love that. And there's a rearrangement of the town music from Final Fantasy IV in their residential area, and it's lovely. So, yeah. God, that game sounds like it does fan service right. Oh, it does, yeah. The Loperits are very cute. Um, they sound like they've all like sucked on helium balloons. Um, but, yeah, it's a weird moment. It comes at a weird moment in the story, but it's just enough light relief to go, oh, okay, can breathe for a bit. And then disaster strikes again. So there's the... Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Okay, well, let's move on to the best antagonist of 2021. So we're going to go real light on these because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Uh, the winner was Fandaniel from Final Fantasy XIV and Walker. If you told me that Fandaniel was going to be the best antagonist even six months ago, <laughs> I would yeah. have laughed. But no, I agree. And I cannot tell you why. I literally cannot tell you why. Um, mm-hmm. it, They just make him work so well because he comes in really late into 14 i think it's like patch 5.4 um Mm -hmm. he's um certainly a bit over the top for 14 it feels like uh but like m walker 
gives him a lot of backstory and a lot of gravitas that really, 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 really works. But he'll never be as good as Emmett Selk, I agree. But yeah, fantastic. <laughs> really good. Still the best villain of antagonist of 2021. This year was a hard year for this category, I think. Because like, I don't... Mm. Yeah, I can think of a better antagonist than him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and the runner-up was Scarlet from Final Fantasy VII Remake episode Intermission. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on board with this because Scarlet's one of those villains that's kind of evil for the sake of being evil, mm-hmm. especially in the original game. And they didn't really re- stop that with Intermission, um, but she's just more over the top and entertaining. Like voice acting was a good addition for Scarlet. Oh, yeah. Um, just the scene of her using a Shinra soldier as a footrest alone will, will give you everything you need to know. She's over the top. She's delightful. Yeah, why do you think she's on the list, everybody? Like, probably just for that moment alone. just that. (laughs) Just that. She's, like, an inch away from being too cheesy and over the top. She is. But, like, they got it just right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The best things are an inch away from being over the top. That's the trick. You gotta hit that spot. If you don't, it's terrible. But if you do, oh, it's magic. FF7 Remake walks that line very well. Yeah, pretty much. Well, let's move on now to the best combat of 2021. And the winner is Tales of Arise. Um, I mean, we've talked a bit about the combat in this and how it no longer features multiplayer, unfortunately, but it you know, is very, very good. Oh yeah, certainly from what I've played in the demo. Like, it's t- it's totally different to any other Tales game as well. Like, mm-hmm. it feels way more, way more fluid. Um, it's not instanced and, it, it, yeah, in the combo system, there's no TP limiting your, like, art move usage, which is a kind of thing going on with the series anyway up until that point with uh, certainly Zestiria and Berseria and Grace's. Um but yeah, it, it just seems to take cues from a lot of modern day action RPGs and keep a little bit of its identity. Um, but yeah, it's super fun. What I've played it is fun. It's got a bit of a learning curve to it. Um, but once you get it, like, ooh, does it mm-hmm. click? It, it does two things, I think, really well. And one of them is exactly what you were talking about. That that resource management game is mm-hmm. way quicker. Like you're cycling through high and low resources within a battle instead of, oh, I just had a fight. Time to pop an orange gel again. <laughs> um, but the other thing it does really well is making each character feel like this is a character from a fighting game. This is like yeah. a distinct playable experience and you find your main essentially and master that character and they're deep enough for you to do that over the course of the game. That's really cool. Um, I think another going back to a much more traditional uh, RPG combat system, I guess, would be uh, the runner up, which is Shin Megami Tensei five, uh, which it's a turn based battle system, very unlike the the real time uh, almost fighting game style combat system of the of Tales series. Um, but apparently it's fantastic. Yeah, I would have no problem if press turn just became the standard turn based combat system. It's awesome. Yeah, I maintain that that is the gold standard for turn based combat in the modern era. Um, and Shin Megami Tensei five just, you know, does it better. All those quality of life changes, most of them come to come into play during combat. Um, so it's, you know, it's one of the best turn-based battle systems ever made, and it's been iterated on. Um, sometimes cool. that's enough. Okay, then. Uh, and actually, readers agree with us again, because we've, uh, we have the same results for the readers' uh, uh, choice of the year. So let's move on to best DLC. And I mean, no surprise to me what the best DLC of 2021 was, which is Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, Episode Intermission, um, which, you know, it... It pulls from the original game. It gives us a brand new character who is a beloved character from the original. And uh, yeah, it's 
it's also, uh, I guess it's an integrated part of the game now if you literally intermission integrate. Uh, it, it's it's part of the game now if you buy it. Um, and it, it expanded on the main story. Uh, Wes, you actually wrote the blurb for this. I did. And, you know, it's absolutely wonderful. It shines lights on minor characters from the extended universe and from the original game. Uh, it's got Fort Condor. Uh, it's got a really interesting spin on the battle system. And it has Fort Condor. So it's a very good DLC. <laughs> Fort Condor is amazing in this case, in the DLC. Yeah. Yeah, Alana, you wrote the uh, you wrote the review for this, right? I did, yeah. Uh, yeah, Intermission's brilliant. Um, I was really not expecting much, and I actually came away with a big smile on my face. Like, it was great. Maybe a bit overdramatic, but like, hell, what was Remake, if not all that? Um, but <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic, and it made me kind of re-fall in love with Yuffie. Um, so they do a really grand job with her. And it's so damn fun. Yeah. Uh, Intermission felt to me like the developers really figured out how to design the combat encounters. Yeah. Because I felt like in the base game, a lot of the mid-game and late-game fights were fun, but a lot of enemy designs were just like big sacks of health. Mm-hmm. Every fight in Intermission is great. So I, I really made me feel even more positive and excited for the next entry. And uh, the other piece of DLC, which is uh, also somewhat unsurprising, is from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. What? We're giving Super Smash Bros. Ultimate a feature on RPG Fan? Yes, because characters from RPGs show up in this game constantly, as you may have realized if you listened to a recent episode of Rhythm Encounter. Hmm. Um, So the runner-up is Pyra and Mithra and uh, Sora Hmm. from uh, Kingdom Hearts, of all things. So yeah, these are characters that I don't think anyone expected, especially Sora, um, considering the connection there with Disney, the amount of red tape and contracts and things that would have had to have been signed to put him in the game is kind of jaw-dropping, but they did it. They did it. And what a perfect yes. way to round off the season pass as well. Like, I don't think there was any better choice. Um, Sora plays like a Kingdom Hearts, like he does in Kingdom Hearts as well, which is kind of amazing. Um, I don't like playing as him, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Pyramithra are broken they are so fun i can't believe how good they are yeah uh zach mentions here that uh the most fun i've had with a character since melee he's only saying that because he beat me like 15 times with him but that's fine (laughs) (laughs) i believe that um and uh once again uh reader's choice best dlc they completely agree with us we're in complete and utter alignment so we're going to move on to best localization of 2021 and that is final fantasy 14 endwalker which I will say we're going to skip over briefly or because we're going to be talking about this in a second um, at, in more length in a moment for a, uh, a much bigger category. Um, the runner-up was the great Ace Attorney Chronicles and 100% agree. I kind of think it should have won, uh, but that's just my bias about loving Ace Attorney, but they did a masterful job of localizing this game. Uh, historical references, uh, they, they worked uh, the co- they they managed to translate uh, cultural differences beautifully, and I think the greatest thing about this game is they actually didn't tone down the racism that's faced by uh, uh, mm. the Asian characters in this game when they are in London. It is brutal at times to be constantly being beaten down by characters who are oftentimes your allies simply because of your race. I think that's something that a lot of other games would have uh, tried to minimize. Uh, just to make their player care the player more comfortable, and this one didn't. Um, so I was 
I was very, uh, I, I thought that was a wonderful, they did a wonderful job of it. Um, and the reader's choice best localization was Shimigami Tensei 5, and the runner-up was Endwalker. That's a really interesting winner to me. I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm surprised, like, given that Wes was saying that, like, the story wasn't as prominent. Like, I'm quite shocked to see it. I'm shocked to see The Greatest Day Tony Chronicles not there, because... Um, I think given the precedence of like, like not to challenge the readers at all, I'm just like genuinely nah. surprised. I'm like, oh, okay. Like what about it makes it so special? I guess I need to find out, but you know. Yeah. I wonder if people just loved all the translations of the different demons. Uh, They're more accurate now, aren't they? They're so good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that could be it. Those logs can be really good. Well, let's move on now to the best music or sound design of 2021. And the winner is very much not surprising. You're going to be seeing this game a lot from this point on. Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. And while we're going to be talking about this in a moment, uh, in a different context, I think we should take a quick look at the music here. Um, because th there's a lot that could be said about the music of Final Fantasy XIV, some of which has been said in this very podcast. Uh, Alana, you like the music from this oh game, right? God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's hard for me because, like, the runner-up, which is, you know also an incredible soundtrack and two of my favorite composers currently working in the industry like well soken isn't the only person who works on their walker soundtrack i should say there are a number of really talented people who work with him and under him who do an amazing job and there are so many callbacks to previous songs as well like it, it just does this wonderful wonderful job of bringing everything together narratively and musically and yeah like Again, like the story, like Endwalker's music is like on par with Shadowbringers, which is kind of ridiculous to say. Um, there are some, the, the the end, like Caitlin in particular singles out like the end, the final zone theme. I won't say <laughs> anything because you spoiler, but like it's, it, it you'll cry. You'll cry. Like the minute you mm -hmm. get there, the minute it starts, it does like a really clever thing in game where it like fades in and in and in. And yeah, it's pretty special. These games know how to use music or the, MMO knows how to like implement its music. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the runner-up was Near Replicant, mm -hmm. uh, version one point. Um, and yeah, I've, the music of the Near series is pretty legendary, so it's not surprising to see it as runner-up. But I don't think anything can knock off uh, Endwalker for the sheer amount and quality of music that is produced by these games. Pretty much by this one game. Yeah, pretty much. Yokantaro has been busy this year because he's got Replicant, Reincarnation, and uh, Voice of Cards. Um, all three are really good, really fantastic. Mm. So yeah. Um, and our reader's choice best music or sound design, complete agreement with us once again. Uh, although Endwalker and Near were a single vote apart. Yeah. So it could have gone either way. Um, let's move on now to the best protagonist of 2021. And that is going to be Yuffie from Final Fantasy VII Remake Episode Intermission. What can you say about Yuffie? Yuffie's delightful. Yuffie was delightful in the original game. And it sounds like they translated that and expanded it uh, in a way that works extremely well for the remake. Yeah, they took her from a like a fun side character to someone who can hold a main story. Like, I, I would love to see the whole series from Yuffie's point of view at this point because there's... There's so much she's got going for her, and that's that's a heck of a feat to do for for a character that's been in the consciousness for over 20 years, you know? It'll be interesting to see now that they've released the intermission episode, uh, how Yuffie plays into the game moving forward when we get to episode two. Uh, because, like you said, Yuffie has always been more of a peripheral character in Final Fantasy VII, but the fact that they gave Yuffie this 
this entire piece of DLC makes me wonder if they have bigger plans. I wonder if they'll do it again with part two, like give a different character. I don't know. Um, I mean, Yuffie's definitely going to be in part two. I hope they do. Because um, the only two characters we haven't seen now are Sid and Vincent. And, and Kate Sith's not all catchy, has not had their own um, DLC. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And uh, the runner up, which is, again, from a game that I love, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, is Ryunusuke Naruto. Uh, yes, I mean, the character is wonderful. The character is Phoenix in many ways. I mean, the character is uh, Phoenix's ancestor with a much more set with a strong sense of duty and, and loyalty in a way that feels very uh, representative of the time. Um, I, I think just I thought it's just a wonder. The character is wonderful. And uh, I, I really hope that we get another game with uh, this cast. Uh, from the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Um, the uh, reader's choice best protagonist was uh, Alfin? Mm-hmm. Alfin from Tales of Arise and Yuffie, again, from as a runner-up. Uh, let's move forward here to the best story of 2021, and that is my oh my, guess what? <laughs> it is Endwalker. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker has the best story of 2021. That is not super surprising, given uh, everything that we've heard about in this podcast. Um, again, we're going to get into this in just a minute, because guess what's coming up? Uh, a very big category. Um and we'll talk about we'll we can talk about that a little bit there. The runner up is again the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which I think has a an amazing story. Uh, I think that again the first part is entirely set up, the second part is entirely payoff, and it feels a little bit unbalanced in that sense. But if you take it all together, I think it tells a very very uh, intriguing story. Um, and uh, reader's choice was Endwalker again for the winner and Tales of Arise for the runner-up. Does anyone have any thoughts about any of these winners? I can save them for sure. <laughs> yes, that's coming up in just a minute. Um, let's move on now to the best supporting character. And who the winner is? Oh my goodness, it's uh, Vinat Vin- from Final Fantasy... Vinat. Yeah. Ah, French. Uh, Vinat from Final Fantasy XIV, Endwalker. Um, Endwalker is going to have, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few locks here and this is, uh, I, I know nothing about this character and it even says late spoilers in the description there. So I don't want to read it. Yeah. We got to dodge that one. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to, she is wonderful. I'll just say that much. Like she is the embodiment of the message of Endwalker so perfectly. And I think that's why so many people have like fallen in love with her, me included. So Mm -hmm. she's brilliant very nice uh the runner-up which i am i think should be the winner but that's just me being biased (laughs) is herlock shloms from the great ace attorney chronicles this is the best spin on sherlock holmes that i have seen in years uh it is still completely identifiably sherlock holmes and i don't just mean like the idea you have of sherlock holmes i mean it's an adaptation of the literary version of sherlock uh right down to the deep, deep depression at times and just the care it, ceaselessly entertaining and should come off as irritating as hell and just doesn't mysteriously. So I'm a giant fan of this character. Um, best supporting characters from Reader's Choice was Kassara from Tales of Arise and Vinay from Final Fantasy XIV and Walker. Yeah, the, the one thing that I have to chime in with, uh, just to be a little bit of a, a literary nerd, um, the Herlock Sholmes name actually dates back to... Um, the uh Arsene Lupin series um mm-hmm. uh, copyright it's a fun game isn't it it was it was you know in those days there wasn't anything stopping them from using the name but they used it to kind of dig at at Sherlock Holmes and Arthur Conan Doyle a little bit 
and it's become the perfect you know open domain usage for if you want to <laughs> if you want to parody Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it's a wonderful yeah. extra wrinkle to that character. Well, the Doyle estate is notoriously litigious when it comes to protecting the copyright of Sherlock Holmes, despite the fact that Sherlock Holmes is, in fact, in the public domain. Uh, that was the uh, case for a fairly significant uh, lawsuit, I think, uh, against Netflix last year or the year before that, uh, where they claimed that Sherlock Holmes showing a motion that was copywritten um, because it didn't happen until his later stories that are still under copyright, which is amazing but uh yeah herlock shloms was a good way to get around that and uh, the character is absolutely delightful um let's move on to the last category before the big one which is best visuals of 2021 and this is going to be final fantasy 7 remake episode intermission um and i i agree i mean i based on what i've seen it looks fantastic um, especially when I consider what the original looked like in my imagination. <laughs> um, it sounds like they also gave the textures a bit of an improvement, which was the big complaint yep. about Final Fantasy yeah. VII Remake. One of the coolest things about Final Fantasy VII Remake is seeing these really old designs in high definition and seeing all of the little details as to how those weird polygonal shapes actually shape out into a, a proper garment. <laughs> Right, they still work. It's like Yuffie's arm guard, like in particular, is like something I could never like suss out as a kid. And then yep. seeing it in remake, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. She's like, a, they look like someone had like strapped a like cricket bat to her arm or something, like in <laughs> polygonal form. And now it's like, oh yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, that's a very funny mental image. <laughs> um, and uh, the runner-up for this category was Tales of Arise, and I agree with that. Tales of Arise is very pretty. It's beautiful. The landscapes yeah, are gorgeous. Yeah. Like, it's funny because, like, Tales is not known as a series that's a bit of a looker. Like, I think Vesperia was kind of the peak because it's, like, this mix of, like, cell shade and, well, it's a little bit more anime cell shady and it's aged really well. But, like, Arise is kind of balancing, like, that kind of like slightly more anime style with a bit more realism in like the lighting but yeah like every environment i've seen in that game through screenshots or streams or like anything is really beautiful it's great and it's all a bit more painterly than the series has been in the past mm. which is awesome um yeah and uh again our readers were in complete agreement with us and we have remake intermission as the winner and tales of arise as the runner-up for best visuals of 2021 and now we are going to move on to the rpg fan 2021 game of the year best rpg or adventure game and uh i don't think it's going to be a surprise to absolutely anyone who has been listening to this podcast or who has ever read our previous game of the year features from 2019 and 2020 the winner is final fantasy 14 endwalker <laughs> Woo! yes um it's not just the fact that this is a apparently an amazing story uh with amazing music as you've heard brilliant characters as you've heard uh it's still the probably the biggest comeback success story in the history of online games coming from version one to what it is now um this game has absorbed the player base of many other games, including it's been pulling a lot from World of Warcraft, partially due to uh, issues with uh, Blizzard's uh, record on a number of things, but also because it's just that damn good. Oh, God, yeah. Like, this is, like, even before Endwalker hit, 
like 14 hit popularity levels that had never been seen before. Um, like concurrent logins and things like that were at their highest and they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, especially over the Endwalker period between like December and now. Um, yeah, it's still remarkable to me that like maybe the best Final Fantasy story is in an MMO. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and, you know, you always get this like caveat like, oh, you know, A Realm Reborn is slow, but it'll be worth it And when you get to the first expansion. Um, that's like 80 hours of game time. Um, I promise you, though, there are some good moments in there in the early stages. <laughs> and I promise you, though, it is worth it. it, it and it is worth it because I think M. Walker in particular, like, is willing to look back on its messy past and willing to acknowledge all of those things. Like the callbacks are kind of numerous and they're everywhere. And even like the way that it reflects on humanity and the way it reflects on humans and the way that it's like, no one's perfect, but we still need to have faith in ourselves. We should have hope that we can do what we can do. And I think M Walker is just an incredibly uplifting game. Like Shadowbringers had some real incredible moments. Um, but like the hope and like the positivity and like the message of M Walker kind of just like kind of pushes it over the edge, I think. And yeah, I I really hope that it's accessible for everybody someday because I get that not everyone can play an MMO. Like it's so time mm -hmm. consuming. And like for the longest time, I didn't think I'd ever get back into this. And now I have, and it's basically been all I've played for the last like nine months. Um <laughs> so yeah it's wonderful um and i think as well like people who have like been playing it since 1.0 have like experienced that roller coaster and then they're like there are people in rfc and which is a free company um which is like a group of people who play together or like just form like a small guild together um who have been playing together and they played m walker together and it like enriched their experience all that much more because like it was the end of their story arc as well so there's a lot That's really nice yeah there's a lot that goes into it and i think like it's going to be really interesting to see where M or 14 goes from here because m walker is the end of the heidelin and zodiac arc so that's an entire mm -hmm. narrative arc over where we're going now. No idea. As of recording, no idea. And I would just like to say that uh, Zach's blurb here that he wrote about Endwalker is actually quite touching. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a really nice message. And it's something that I think that some people could hear right now. I agree with that. He captures it well. Um, and our runner up for game of the year this year is Tales of Arise. Uh, again, somewhat unsurprisingly, if you've been paying attention to this podcast, um, yeah, it's, it sound it's, it's a uh, somewhat divisive among fans, but it seems like people really, really like it and they are enjoying it quite a bit. And if Endwalker didn't exist, it probably would have won game of the year, but Endwalker exists. Not, not many series are willing to reinvent themselves so thoroughly and fewer still actually succeed when they do so. Um, and especially how rare it is that the core of the series isn't necessarily compromised. There are still a lot of things um, that feel like, yes, this is a Tales game. It just feels bigger and grander and modern. Um, it's mm -hmm. an impressive thing that they did, uh, even with <laughs> some of my misgivings that are purely my misgivings. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely think it deserves its place here. It is a, a wonderful game that, you know, especially people who haven't played Tales before should give it a shot. Yeah, I think this is probably the best entry point into tales for especially like if you're not a jrpg person perfect game to get into the uh into the series with yeah it's uh tempting um and this seems to be pretty much the only point in the entire thing where we actually have a significant divergence uh with reader's choice 
Reader's Choice Best RPG or Adventure Game of 2021 was Tales of Arise, and the runner-up was Shin Megami Tensei V. So uh, both games have made uh, quite a few appearances on this list. Um, And uh, yeah, so that is our Best RPG uh, Adventure Game feature for 2021. The entire feature, uh, including the editor's choice versions, is up on the website right now. If you There's going to be a link in the description. Or if you are listening to this otherwise, just go to RPGFan.com and it should be right there. Um, before we go, because this episode's running a little long, I know, but it, it was the, it's the big year-end episode. Um, the only one on here who actually wrote a editor's choice uh, game of the year feature was Wes. And we are running very short on time. So I am just going to read your awards out loud and you give me a one sentence reaction to them um <laughs> the oh god i'll never love anything as much as peak bioware will i award mass effect legendary edition i absolutely loved it but was heartbroken to realize nothing's coming close ever again the i know you had to do it but deep down i'll never forgive you award <laughs> tales of arise listen i understand why they had to drop multiplayer i'm just saying that some of us were relying on it the oops i'm playing for condor again award Final Fantasy VII Remake Episode Intermission. Just, oops, I'm playing Fort Condor again. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, the, yeah, it still rules award, Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. I'm just encompassing our audience at this point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm hoping that our audience really enjoyed this uh, episode. I know that I did. Thank you all so much for joining me on this. I know it was a very big episode. I know it was a big chunk of your evening. So thank you for joining. No, thanks for having us. It was a blast. Uh, thank you, our audience, for joining us as well. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Random Encounter, I'll tell you, we have a whole bunch of episodes that led up to it in 2021. If you want to hear uh, some of the initial thoughts that came with many of these games, you can check out some of our past episodes. But this is not the only podcast we have here at RPG Fan. We have two others. We have Retro Encounter with Mr. Mike Solosi. Uh, I was just on a super fun episode, which was this episode is not about RPGs again, which was a sequel to an episode that Mike did uh, a few years ago. And it's exactly what it sounds like. We're not talking about RPGs. It's crazy. But it was a great time talking about a number of games that I don't usually get to talk about with some people who really, really know their stuff. So uh, I recommend listening to that. But coming up on Retro Encounter, they have a two-parter. And uh, hey, Alana, <laughs> I hear that uh, I hear that maybe you're gonna gonna be hosting these. W- what's the game? What's the occasion? Oh, I mean, just a uh, just a little game called uh, Skies of Arcadia. You know, nothing big. Didn't win a <laughs> didn't win a listener poll or anything. It's not the third <laughs> listener poll I've won or anything. It's all right. I am so excited to listen to these episodes because I know how much I know how passionate you are about this game and uh, how beloved it is. So yeah, that's going to be amazing to listen to. Uh, We also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG Fans Music Podcast. Uh, Last week, the panel talked about, as I said before, Smash Brothers, of all things, because there is a lot of RPG music in Smash Brothers. Uh, Alana, you were in this episode. It was a joy to edit. I was constantly cracking up. (laughs) Um, It was a a fun episode, and uh, some just amazing arrangements of some excellent RPG music in it. So I highly recommend you check that up. And uh, next episode for Rhythm Encounter is going to be the Music of the Year episode. So the music version of what you just listened to. Um, And that will be coming up next Monday. 
Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us here at random, you can fire me off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. I would absolutely adore to hear from you. So if you have any ideas for future episodes or themes or discussion question, I love when we get discussion questions. Uh, we didn't have one this week, but we will have one from a reader next week. Um, so anything at all you'd like to share with me, send it off to podcast at rpgfan.com. If you'd like to send me an email, you can do so at jlogan at rpgfan.com, or you can find me on Twitter at jono underscore Logan. But I'm not the only one who has an online presence. We have other people who do too. So Alana, why don't you tell us where we can find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Alana Hagues, or you can find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana. Cool. And Brian, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Badger Barian. That's such a great name. Um, and uh, Wes, where can we find you online? Oh, my stuff's up on Twitter too, at Wes Iliff. Pretty simple. That's awesome. So if you enjoyed any of the voices on this podcast, check them out online. Uh, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, you can help us get the word out there. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes or your other podcast player of choice. And uh, we're going to be back in two weeks and we're going to have some brand new games perhaps even from 2022 Ooh, because thank goodness the the slowdown of new releases has finally uh ceased and we're starting to get some new stuff so uh that's going to be exciting so thank you very much for joining us this week and whatever you're playing have fun